What up, what up? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Joining me, as always, is John LaRocca. John, this is our second week with the Blue Wire family. Very much appreciative of them allowing us to join their illustrious group of podcasts that they have. This week, the podcast, the Fight Game Podcast, is brought to you by Untuck It. And we'll talk about our friends from Untuck It in a little while after the first break. But John, um, for the first time in the Wednesday Night War, NXT wins the ratings battle when it comes to overall viewers. NXT, uh, AEW still wins the main demo, but leading into Survivor Series and TakeOver, they definitely tried their best to have synergy with all three brands combining on this one NXT show. And I'm sure the goal was to win the night and, and to beat AEW and just to sort of see if they could, like what, what does Vince McMahon need to do to win the night? He, 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 he sort of manipulated that, that rating by adding, you know, a few Becky Lynch open the show and such. So just your thoughts quickly uh, before we, we head into what we're going to talk about tonight, but were, were you surprised at all by the rating and did you expect NXT to win this week? I ex- I expected the win, especially with uh, Becky on the show. Um, I think the rating would have been a little bit higher if they would have adver- advertised Becky. Um, I think that would I think that was kind of a a miscalculation. But I know they wanted the surprise factor and everything. And I, I hate it when they do that. By the way, the surprise factor or yeah. the announcing? Yeah, be- the surprise effect. The surprise factor because, as we saw last week, with Bailey. You wait until the very end of the show, and, mm-hmm. and and she means nothing to the rating, even though she lays out Shayna. But they waited so late in the show, and if you're a fan who's like, man, I can't really, I can't wait, 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 and you're like, oh, that's it? So... I, I think the idea is is mainly like, like the Monday Night Wars, in a way. Like, they want to throw these surprises they want that this be like oh you have to tune in you have to stay with this and that's what that was the idea like right when she shows up in the beginning um that's what they wanted they want people to go oh i gotta stick around for the rest of the show who else is going to show up and they're they're not really trying to you know they're not desperate i don't think they're desperate to be aw in the ratings they're just, like i said like i said for weeks they're just doing their own thing so this- I, I completely disagree with you on that for this week by the way absolutely completely disagree with you you think they were just desperately trying to beat him this week? No, I, I don't know if it was desperation, but I'm sure Vince is looking at this going like, okay, we are throwing our secondary product at these guys. I, I wonder what it takes for us to win the week. This is the perfect excuse, which is to throw the Survivor Series, uh, the angles heading into the Survivor Series. They have one more show, which is on Friday for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But... He's looking at it like, you know, we can, you know, if I want, I can beat these guys in the ratings whenever because I have the star power. And then, you know, he can't go to that well every time. This is the perfect time for the excuse to actually be like, oh, this is just the, 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 you know, the evolution of our angle. We're all three brands. And so it's not, you know, you have an, you have a built in excuse to basically go, we're not, you know, we didn't really try, but you, but he did. He, I think the idea is what, what do you learn? You know, we always look at ratings and we go, well, what do we learn from this week? And I think for this week, what we learned is if Vince staggers the surprises and the star power, he could actually get Raw and SmackDown viewers who don't watch NXT to come over to NXT. 
And what is what does that mean for the rating? It gives them the overall uh, the you know you know they they win for the overall viewership. But if you look at the demographic of where the ratings took off, it is in that over fifty uh, demographic. So what happened, at least as far as I can tell, and I haven't really dug deep into Big Dave's uh, ratings for this week because the Observer came out a little late. But what it means to me is Vince was able to get folks who watch Raw and folks who watch SmackDown who don't also watch NXT to watch NXT this week. Now, not a lot, right? Because they the, the rate, their rate, their overall number was only up 150,000 or whatever that number was. But that is enough to, to win the night. But it's all over 50 people. I don't think they got people from the AEW show to click over to watch NXT until the overrun, because that, that always helps. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think they were able to get Raw and SmackDown viewers who don't pay attention to this show to show up because it's the build to Survivor Series. So if you want to see everything and you're sort of intrigued at how NXT fits in the whole scheme of things, it, it makes sense to me to, to do that. But I fully believe that they were trying to win. And what it shows me is Vince can do this whenever he wants. Now, you can't go to the well one too many times because I think the reason why no AEW people or, or fans really switch over and it's only the WWE fans is because they know. They're like, it's not like anyone from AEW is jumping. Mm-hmm. It's just WWE to WWE. And so that works in the WWE universe because those people who watch all the WWE product, that, that will work for them. But it doesn't necessarily work for you know the AEW fan. And that's why I think it's only that WWE fan who finally was like, okay, I'll give this NXT stuff a shot. But it it's not like they took from an audience and, and, and had that audience switch over because of Becky Lynch or because of Seth Rollins. Now, when I read Dave's, Dave's write-up, it's co- quite possible that my my gut is is a little bit off, but just based on the the ratings as I saw them, Paul Fontaine's uh, write-up in, in F4W, that's, that's kind of what I gauged from it. And, you know, th- by me saying they wanted to win the ratings, it's not like Vince is like, Staying up all night going like, ah, oh, we lost again. We were, you know, less than 50. Th- like, this is his secondary group. So, I, you know, he's not, he, he's more, he's, I'm sure he's more worried about the Raw rating and the SmackDown rating and the WWE Network number and all of those things. Like, those are more important than this number. But he just wanted to show like, hey, I can, I could manipulate this number if I want. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really dive too deep into this one as much, but uh, I just thought it was good. I thought it was uh, a well-done show. I like this whole angle with the NXT, SmackDown, Raw. It's been fun. I didn't watch SmackDown last week. I heard it wasn't that good, but uh, Raw I thought was really good. And so I thought the ability to lead into this show, I felt like it was a must-see show this week. The way Raw ha- what happened to Raw, Triple H, and all that stuff. So I thought they would definitely do a lot better than they did last week so it was cool they won that's that's great you know um i don't get too caught up in the ratings but um i get i I can just compare show to show mainly that's my thing and uh, you know they definitely won the night i think both quality and um and you know obviously rating of course so i actually like the AEW show more this week whereas i like the nxt show more last week but it's just because it feels like anything can happen on AEW, and NXT almost never feels really, like that's, that. That's, I, this is the week that I actually didn't like. I think I didn't have anything I liked in AEW this week. I felt like I was... That whole Jericho Scorpio Sky promo? It was bad. 
I thought, oh my god! I thought it was bad. Not bad. I can't say bad. Bad's horrible. I You're never say that. gonna see anything like that on WWE TV because nobody has the freedom to just create on the fly like that. I mean, Jericho's fine, but Scorpio Sky proved he's not a main event guy when it comes to the mic work. You know, he's just a guy that's doing a promo, doing a wrestling promo. He's not Scorpio Sky doing a promo. You know what I mean? Like he has that. I'm gonna get you know he's just he's trying to be wrestler. Um, I think it's you know I think he's a great talent for sure. But when I saw his promo, I thought, oh man, yeah, he doesn't have the chops for the the singles run I thought he would be. But um, and then Jericho was fine. I, I think the segment for me didn't wasn't working um, when it came to Jericho's. I know what they're trying to do. Obviously, you know they're manipulating Jericho to give him the title shot, blah blah blah. But it was funny when they started doing the manipulation. <laughs> And like, oh, yeah, we're not as good. You know, we don't deserve it. And then people started booing. <laughs> the crowd started booing Scorpio Sky when he said, yeah, he didn't deserve a shot. Well, because they didn't, they didn't understand it until the punchline. They didn't really pop for the punchline, though. It was it was kind of it, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't that I don't think they executed it correctly. Um, I, I must rather see something a little more serious um, for, for this moment because I felt like this was going to be I loved the booking last week you know with Scorpius guy beat Jericho I knew it was going to lead to a title match I like that they're waiting a week in between to do some build and I thought this would be a good opportunity for it uh, but I'm hoping that you know at least the match which I think is going to be great next week and I just hope they get some minutes I hope they get like 20-25 minutes I hope it goes like two commercial breaks next week I hope it just gets like a big long segment because you know that's how you make a guy with the long match with Jericho and and, uh, I, I, I actually match. hope I actually hope it doesn't go through two commercial breaks because it's just gonna it's gonna uh, allow people to to change the channel. I hope that they go super long and they make up some of the commercials in Earlier. one of in one of these matches because you know you have you have that match and then you have the Kenny Omega and, and Pac match mm-hmm. and and those matches need need you know a, a good amount of time you don't, you don't need twenty five minutes but you need you know, 12 and a half to 15 or something like that. But the thing is, is if, you know, and what happens in these in these great NXT matches, you get to see four minutes out of the 12 because of the two commercials. And it's just like, that's not enough for me as a wrestling fan. Like, I just kind of, I, I kind of tune out and it doesn't mean as much to me when I see that. So I hope, you know, I hope they, they figure out a way to, you know, make it one commercial break or... You know, I guess the inset commercials, like kind of like the those are the, like so pointless on both but, sides. But at in least, my at least on a in a match, you, you don't completely like lose it, like when I do with commercials. But you know, the, I mean, you know, the, that that's the that's just the the problem with I mean, TV. Commercials, that's a, I guess I don't commercials don't bother me because like I, we grew up with commercial breaks during big matches, like Clash of Champions never, wasn't we like never all saw, the way through. But but we never saw like as many matches that they try to do long main event matches you know usually it'd be the main event and and um you know like think about them the think about the attitude era like that the attitude era was not about matches in any way it was mm-hmm. about angles and so you know you're not really too bothered because it's like oh we're going to commercial and then austin's like you know austin's walking down the ringside and oh we go to commercial and then you come back from commercial and then you know austin comes to the ring so they they i, I just felt like they utilized those breaks a lot better back in the day to kind of whet your appetite and today it's like 
it's all about matches. So, <laughs> you know, know, long matches. And so you're just like, ah, you know, why, what, you know, I really want to see the 12 minutes unedited versus the four minutes and eight minutes of commercial. And just the last few weeks, I mean, I just noticed AEW, like, I, I watch it and, like, you know, because I fast forward some of the stuff now because I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing, I, I do two shows in one night, which is, you know, sometimes that's really tough and pretty tired. But um, so I start fast forwarding, like, say, the entrance a little bit. And I started noticing, like, even last night um, with the Darby Allen uh, Moxley match, it was like, wow, it's like they only have like 13 minutes or whatever it was mm-hmm. to do the match because mm-hmm. they did a long entrance. And, and I just think that this match, if you really want to make Scorpio Sky, I would have a longer match for sure and hope they get the time for that. But you know, it's going to end in some. Like both teams, you know, they, I mean, they they kind of showed us this week where everyone's getting involved, and I and hope something. not. I he can a Scorpio's guy can lose clean in in a in a, in a classic. You yeah, know? but at least at least Hager is going to get involved. Like Jericho has not you know wrestled a match where he's oh the he, fighting heel. You know, yeah, he should definitely you know in the middle get involved and XSCU come out. But it should that should be like maybe some middle stuff. I in the end, I think it should be just come maybe the ever gets thrown out and now it's now it's just um just jericho and scorpio sky and then they're going for a good 10 minutes and it's just, you know it's just them too but then you know and, but jericho pulls it out with his finisher and and at the end you know you scorpio sky you know shows that hey he can hang with jericho and a future hopeful future main event singles i don't know if he's a future main event on the promo stuff that i was i, I was really disappointed in that i was really because I like that guy a lot. I'm a but big, what, I'm a big but fan what of him. did you expect? Like he always speaks in like puns and and you know he's only speaking you know usually one of three people or whatever. Like I didn't expect him to cut this crazy you know great promo. I just kind of expected him to to get nose to nose and 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 you know be that fighting babyface kind of guy. Yeah, and it was, and it was just it was just a little too silly. It was it wasn't it wasn't building any anticipations for a big match. And I, I want to see. You know, I think they should, they should. If they would have took it just a little bit serious, I think could have been. He would have been better. But I think it was just a little too sticky. And uh, but you know, but like I said, I, I know the match is going to be good. So I'm hoping that that will change my opinion on that. It was like the most entertaining thing I've seen in wrestling television in a long time because wow. not only was it a fun segment, and look, you know, not everything has to be so serious and like you know. Uh, you know, money, blood, guts promo kind of thing. Like, you can have variation of that stuff. Um, I think the thing that hurt it, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to, like, critique it, is not actually that promo. It's the comedy promo that Omega did later that night. Like, you didn't need two goofy kind of segments. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I thought the Omega promo was a little bit overkill, but a rather... Was, that was stupid. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, still, I still don't understand. I don't understand what they're trying to do with him, but, um, the, like... I think they just can't help themselves. You know, they always have to throw some kind of funny thing, and then you know that's just their thing. But like uh, the like the the pop culture stuff from the Jericho promo, just I was just like, I can't believe he did this because, I mean, he basically did a, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli segment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from from you know from Happy Days. Like you know, Fonz has to admit that he's wrong, and he goes, I'm whoa. And he can't say the words, and Ralph Mouth goes, "Well, what do you mean, Fonz?" And he's like, <laughs> "Well, I just wasn't right." And 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 Ralph goes, "Wait, you, you weren't right? You mean you were wrong?" And like that's the whole punchline, right? And, and so that's Jericho's hero is is the Fonz, and so he he did it. I thought that was so entertaining because, you know, 
if you think about it, him as a heel champion, like like when I'm watching, um, you know, when I'm watching older older stuff when I'm a kid, like a lot of the really good heels, they were they didn't take themselves so seriously all the time. You know, they they would do goofy stuff and 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 be dumb and 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 that kind of stuff you know i i would get a kick out of like you know we always talk about you know flair and flair when he needed to do money promo he was he was awesome but he would also do stuff like elbow drop his jacket like just wacky stuff that's also flair that one that's also flair that's not the flair that we kind of grew up watching that really we respected. He was kind of being okay, goofy but, but and crazy. Still, but that, was still, a, that was a crazy flair gimmick. That was but, that was but not still, him. On those Monday Night Raw shows, he's he's doing the best rating by being that version of Ric Flair because he's crazy and he's a you know everyone loves Ric Flair and so he's still doing the best rating segments of the night as that version of Ric Flair. So. Not every my my point is is not everything has to be like the same build. You can't do Cody Rhodes every month. Like 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 you you just you just can't redo it over and over and over and over and over for every match to do Cody Rhodes because then when you do it really great, then you're like, oh, I just saw that last month. Why do I care? So I I don't mind that. I think you you do have a point though in the Scorpio Sky piece of it because. To some extent, he was just kind of like Jer- he like Jericho was doing his thing, and 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 Scorpio Sky was just kind of along for the ride, and that might have been just because he he just probably looked at this and was like, how the hell am I gonna like match this? Like this is kind of out of my league a little bit. So to to some extent, I think you're right about that, but just ah, Jericho's off the rails, great and. You know, guys are like almost busting up inside the ring, and and you know they're like like uh, which is probably not a good thing for, a, for building up to a world title match, though. You don't want people busting up in the ring. You well, want it somewhat serious, you know. But why not? No We're one tr- thinks that Scorpio Sky is going to win the title. But we want them to. Then why tune in next week? No, they, they. This is a different. This is a different thing, though. You're like again, like you know, this isn't the Cody Rhodes that you want to see. Cody Rhodes win the title because of the of the history like this is a tv match with a guy who is one third of a tag team going up against the world champion today's fans know they're not going to see a title change they're just going to see an entertaining segment in match and that and like that that you know for a certain segment I mean, of the fan base that might be I not mean, necessarily a good thing but smart fans but what about the casual fan that's tuning there in there are no casual fans <laughs> well, there has to be some people of, that believe the, in this stuff okay right? out of the 800,000 fans like this is a pretty static number right like mm-hmm. the, these people are coming you know week over week how, how many of them do you think are kind of like oh you know I can't wait for Scorpio Sky to, to beat Jericho. There can't be that many. It's not like there's five million you fans. Pre- if, say they're all smart, but wouldn't you still want to present it as that? You know, they're not. You're not. You're you know, you're not trying to cater. You want to build a good wrestling story. I think no, but the, but they, but the story is that Scorpio Sky is going like, to get. Why near are we fall. doing it? <laughs> what are we doing it for? Like, well, but why do you do any match with Jericho? Why? He, on TV, he's the champion. Why is he having you're, any you're TV trying matches? To build. This is a new company. We got to understand these guys are not superstars yet. All right, I know they're yeah they're beating NXT. That's great. Jer- Jericho's a superstar. Jericho's a superstar. But I'm talking about everyone else. I'm talking about well, Cody's a superstar. But I'm talking about like no one knows who a Scorpio Sky is. 
Okay, okay. Let, let me ask you a question. But, but we want to. But you want to make him. So if he has a competitive match with Jericho, he's but, going to though. No I know, matter but, what. But you got to build interest to that match the week before. You know when Flair was being cocky with the Horseman with the drinking the drinks and all this stuff, and Sting's in the ring and he's not paying attention to Sting, and all of a sudden Sting says something to him, and now he's pissed off. Like, what did this guy say to me? What this what this guy with his face paint say to me? So he goes over there to Flair, and Flair walks over to that ring with Sting, and Sting just kicks the shit out of him. I mean, now people are like, man, I gotta check out that Clash of Champions. And see what you know how this match is going to be, and then Sting goes forty five freaking minutes with Ric Flair, but this, this and isn't, he's made. This isn't Sting and Flair. This is, but it could be. No, this is beautiful Bobby Eaton and Flair. This is um, not even Ricky Morton and Flair. This is the, like that. That like that's why I'm saying the today's fan. You cannot. You cannot get You're killing this fan my base. For this <laughs> well, no, I'm just, but I'm just telling you, like, 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 if we go to, if we go to our uh, fight game podcast group, right? Like, I, I look at someone like um, our buddy Wade. Like, if you ask Wade why he wants to watch this match, I don't think he's going to say because he thinks Scorpio Sky can win. I think he's going to say it's going to be a good match. They're going to tell a great story. Scorpio Sky is going to get a ton of near falls. And Jericho, as the champion, is going to escape again to live another day. Like, that's going to be the story. And so you don't need to, like, okay, so here, here's the comparison I, I wanted to give. Okay, Triple H against the Brooklyn Brawler. Or Triple H against Shelton Benjamin. Or Triple H against Maven. In any of those matches... Even though Triple H tried so hard to make you believe, and maybe Shelton Benjamin's uh, a bad one because they did actually push Shelton for uh, a couple months there. But when he faced a guy, he tried to make that guy look like a world beater, even if every single WWE fan knew there was no way Triple H was losing his championship on Raw to somebody who wasn't he wasn't facing in a pay per view. Like, we knew that, right? Like, so I think this is in the same vein. But the difference here is, is Triple H tried to sell that. Like you're, like, you're, like you're trying to say, he tried to sell that so seriously as this guy has a, an opportunity. And AEW is saying, look, like, we're not going to, we're not trying to pull the wool over your guys' heads and make you think that in one, you know, in one show, Scorpio Sky is going to go from, um, tag team champion to number one contender to the world title because that's just not how wrestling works these days, and they're they're doing that by showing you an entertaining segment to make you want to be entertained in that match, which is a lot different than we want to make you believe that Scorpio Sky can win because they don't have that casual fan base to work over like you know WWE would have done in uh you know in you know in the in the late 90s or like you know like you could do with with um Flair and Sting in 88 because you still you know they were still putting you know that that show probably was watched by I don't know 5 or 6 million people the show is watched by 800,000 people so we're talking about the hardest of the hardcore wrestling fans all right <laughs> I just, I just don't, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I hope they don't have that mentality, honestly, that let's just, they know he's not going to win, you know. I, I just hope they are really going to try to 
build their interest in in Scorpio Sky. I think it's important to get that guy over because like they need to make more stars. Because I mean, he once he, you run he out of Cody him. and Omega, like what else? Yeah, he, yeah, he pinned him. A, a quick pin in the tag match is great. Builds it sets up a reason. But now we got to make them bleed this guy for even the future, or he's just going to be another tag guy. I mean, if if they believe he's going to be a singles guy down the line, you know, this could just be setting, you know, get set, setting a couple Scooby snacks uh, for that down the line. But I think this is more like we know Scorpio Sky is going to have a kick-ass match with Chris Jericho, and that's how mm-hmm. guys get over these days. And not the only way. That is one of the ways a lot of these guys get over is to have kick-ass matches on TV. And this is going to be a match for Scorpio Sky to, you know, to, to really show his stuff. I don't, I don't think the mentality is, is we need to make Scorpio Sky so believable so that this super hardcore fan base all of a sudden, you know, are, uh, are, are thinking he's going to win the match. Like, I just don't think you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. What's next? I think we were going to exhaust this one a little bit too much. Okay. So, um, We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the ratings and anything else that 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 you wanted to bring up, including uh, uh, match of the night. I kind of like doing that. You know, what was the match of the night? Because both shows have such good wrestling these days. It's kind of interesting to look at. You know, what was your favorite match of the night? Mm-hmm. So, uh, one podcast I wanted to shout out because uh, my buddy uh, Ben Cruz, he and his he and his buddy Jeremy Los, they were. Uh, I think that they they were working for uh, Bleacher Report, doing wrestling stuff at Bleacher Report back in the day, and they have a podcast on the Blue Wire Network as well. It is a wrestling podcast. It, it's called "It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast Is Called," and um, just wanted to shout out, you know, Ben because he's been such a big help for me joining Blue Wire and just producing. Like he's, I mean, he's a producer. He's produced for tons of different, you know, tons of different podcasts. He's done. Uh, stuff for uh, you know the athletic and like I said Bleacher Report and I know he was you know just like anybody he was probably looking at tons of places to go to but you know he's doing his own thing at Blue Wire and I know he's helping produce for Blue Wire as well so just want to shout out Ben check out the It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast is called that you know they 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 are mo- they are only wrestling so unlike us you know we do talk about a couple of different things but they are only wrestling and their podcast this week was kind of the build to Survivor Series and Takeover as well. Um, and the second thing is obviously, you know, Apple Podcasts, if you are on the uh, the iOS platform and you can use the iOS platform to uh, review us, we'd greatly appreciate it. You know, five-star reviews will help us kind of grow through the ranks and and hopefully more people can, can listen to us argue about Scorpio Sky and Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, John and I do agree on a lot of stuff, but... You know, we are also watching uh, watching a business in which we have been fans of since we were children. So, like, there's just tons of stuff you could talk about. That's, that's why. I, that's mostly why I like talking wrestling. Because if John and I weren't doing this on the air, we'd be doing it on uh, Big Dave Meltzer's couch <laughs> and, uh, and and on Twitter. Uh, but it's all it's all it's all fun. There's uh, it's 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 all love, as 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 I would say. So, a couple of couple of bits uh, of news before we get to the main parts of the, of the show. Um, tentative schedule for next week. So next week, obviously, Thanksgiving. I think the plan right now is to record um, sort of our 
normal wrestling recap, boxing recap on Thanksgiving evening, ready to go out there to the world, to the ether on Friday morning. And then we are going to record a second episode sometime that weekend, hopefully Friday night, where we do our 93 Raw review. But instead of Raw, it's obviously the 1993 Survivor Series. So it allows us to go a little bit more in depth on that show and cover that show from a historical perspective. Um, And so that is going to be the plan. Hopefully we'll have two episodes next week, just in case uh, you, uh, you, uh, you know, I mean, a holiday weekend. So if you have some free time, hopefully you want to listen to, to some shows, we'll be able to kind of spread it out a little bit and lengthen some of the stuff that we do with two shows. Um, and then the last bit of news here is we've been teasing what we're going to do for 2020. And, you know, are were we going to do 94 Raw? Or, you know, we were thinking about doing 92 Bill Watts WCW. Uh, there were other questions out there. So maybe some Smoky Mountain Wrestling, maybe some ECW. And the thing that I kept coming back to is a podcast that John and I started doing um, late 2018. It was, an, it was an idea around the time frame when uh, in 1991, when Ric Flair left WCW because of all the disagreements that, that he was having, um, they wanted to kind of push him out. Uh, he was too old. And the idea was that, you know, it was finally time to uh, drop it to Lex. And, and Rick had a little leverage. You know, he was still, uh, his contract was up. Um, he was still a sought out guy. He was a little bit older, but look, I mean, he was still Ric Flair. And he left and he, he eventually made his way to, to WWF. So the idea was to do this podcast called We Want Flair because I was going to WCW house shows at that time, and Flair was advertised for them almost all the way until like the show, even though I knew that he was gone. And the crowd, all you know, 800 or 1200 of us, you know, in this 15,000 foot arena or 15,000 seat arena, they would start chanting like just periodically through the night, We want Flair, we want Flair. And John, I know you went to shows during this time as well. Um, and so the idea was to like really capture this time frame and like do this maybe narrative style podcast. Like that was like my big idea. But then we decided, you know, let's do a flair podcast. And so we did three episodes on three matches of, of flares. And we kind of took it from the idea of where was the wrestling landscape before and during and after and kind of what are the storylines leading up to this match. So the first match we did was flair and Brian Pillman. And then the second match we did was uh, Flair and uh, Barry Windham from Battle of the Belts. And then the third match was Flair and Vader from 93 Starcade. So those matches are kind of, you know, we've already done those. We're not going to repeat those. Between now and the beginning of the year, I will put those podcasts on this feed just to give you a taste of, of how we do them. And so for 2020, what we're going to do is we're going to pick 12 matches slash angles and we will talk about them in the last segment of the show similarly to how we do with 93 raw we'll talk about the landscape of the wrestling business at the time of the match that we're talking about sort of the build-up we'll talk about um the match itself and then the aftermath of that match so we'll have four weeks to kind of break down 
you know, four or five weeks, even there's some, some, some week, uh, some weeks we'll have five Thursdays. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll break it down in that way so that uh, we can kind of talk a, a good amount about this historical, you know, Nature Boy Ric Flair match. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do, we'll do some fun stuff. Obviously having the observers, it's going to be a great help. Ric Flair's books. Uh, he's got, you know, the one book that he did and then he's got the, the book with Charlotte. So we'll, we'll just dig in there and, and just kind of have fun with it for the, for 2020. So that is going to be our sort of historical part of this podcast, which is talking about the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And again, I will repurpose those three podcasts that we did for folks who are new to this show. You'll hear them for the first time. They're really fun. It's like historical podcasts. And uh, for those who have uh, already heard them, um, you know, you could skip that show or, or whatever or listen to them again. Yeah, okay. And, and, and if uh, anyone has, you know, any suggestions that which matches they which matches they want to see us cover that Flair did, you know, we're, we're going to start a Facebook group page. You know, our, our Facebook group page will have a, a subject of that for people to put down their matches. And also on Twitter, just uh, just hashtag we want Flair and um, and the match you want to see. So that so we can uh, we'll take a look at everything and then we'll decide which 12 or 13 matches we want to do. And and it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm always down to watch Rick Flair wrestle. He's, he's, he's my, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, and you know we're gonna we we were gonna do a fourth podcast like a, a full, and the problem is is we just we just were having a hard time recording more than than this show. So, uh, you know, there's gonna be some Flair Luger stuff. John has a, a, a really uh, fond memories of, of those Flair Luger matches. So we'll do that's gonna be one for sure. I'm sure there will be some Flair Sting stuff. We gotta do Flair Terry Funk. There, you know, we were talking about the Flair Brody matches from St. Louis. Um, you know, stuff like that. And, and, you know, like, like he said, if you want to send us, a, a something on Twitter at fight game media, or you can send it to at, you know, LaRocca JL, um, you know, we will, we will take those suggestions, but yeah, hashtag we want flair. And, uh, in the Facebook group, we'll create a post. So those of you who are part of that group, uh, you know, let's chat about it. And if you want to join the Facebook group, go to the fight game media, um, page on Twitter and the pin tweet has the link to to join the page and just request to join. You know, we're looking for more folks to join and we love to hear from people who listen to the show. It's it's totally, you know, it's it's a blast for us to even know to even think that, you know, 10 people are listening to this show. The holidays are almost here and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits you just right. Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucket shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size, so he looks casual and sharp. And ladies, we have enough gear, we have enough jerseys, we have enough hats. Like the great American philosopher Jay-Z once said, and I don't wear jerseys, I'm 30 plus. Give me a crisp pair of jeans. Button-ups. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's un 
untuckit.com, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, and the promo code BLUE for 20% off. The first piece of business I want to talk about is Jim Cornette (laughs) resigning from NWA Power after a comment that he made that was very antiquated. Uh, It was an antiquated line trying to get uh, Trevor Murdoch over and uh, used you you know used a fried chicken reference, an Ethiopian reference, so very dated stuff uh, in 2019. Uh, but you know, not I wouldn't call it racist. I, I know people are trying to call it racist. Uh, you know, if you know Jim Cornette's politics, uh, he is very anti-Trump. He is uh, 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 very much about equality, though I know sometimes he makes comments on his podcast that that, that may make you think that he's not. Uh, but you know, the thing I think the thing for me is I remember Cornette as like my favorite color commentator. I remember Cornette as like just the most logical booker uh, of wrestling. Uh, and I miss thinking about him that way because of this new, uh, you know, this new version of him. And and look, it may it may have always been the the same version, but now he has a podcast and he he has the ability to cut these promos every week on on folks. But you know, even when when I watched the first few episodes of NW Power, I was reminded like how good he is. And and I think if I if I do the Observer Awards this year. I think I might still vote him as announcer of the year because he was so good on those shows and he was so good on those MLW shows that we watched. But I just it's just so sad to me that he cannot um I guess stubborn is probably close to the right word, but he's just like unabated to apologize like he just won't apologize and he won't admit when he's wrong and he tries to use this uh, controversy for his podcast shows, which, you know, maybe that works for him, but man, like it just, it just makes me believe that he's probably not going to do anything in wrestling anymore because of episodes just like this. Yeah, I think he'll find something to do once eventually, but, uh, he doesn't really need to. He's has a lot of money and he's has a successful podcast and I'm sure tomorrow's show is going to be a big deal and that do a lot of listeners for him. Wait, you um, think someone would actually sign him after this episode, which got covered in like mainstream websites? Yeah, this is this is pro wrestling. I mean, we see people come back all the time. Hogan's back, you know. Stuff, you know, he's you know, he says stuff. You know, it's it's just wrestling. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not shocked when anyone comes back. So, but you know, I'm I'm bummed because you know I stopped actually stopped watching NWA Power a few weeks ago, but he was the highlight for me. He was so good at it, you know. As a color guy, and he, he's their. I thought he was their second biggest star after uh, all this. Yeah, for sure. And I was, you know, I just wish that things would have happened differently. I know, you know, I wish, you know, I wish he never said it. One, two. I wish, you know, in editing because it was in the can for what like six weeks now, or whatever it was. That you know, Lagana could have caught that. And yeah, September, I think, sometime in September, they sh- this caught that, was that the line. If it's if it, you know, and then you know, took it out and edited it out, and I think we would have been all good. But you know, just things didn't things didn't work out and didn't happen the way it probably should have happened in one way for on both sides. And you know, uh, it's a bummer for that show because I, I think a show needs a guy like Jim Cornette to really tell that story. I mean, Nick uh, was it Nick Galley? He's uh, the young uh, 
uh, play-by-play guy. He's he's good, but like he needs a guy like you know Jim Cornette to guide these stories and you know paint the picture better and and uh, add all and add the just a uh, just just overall story. Like he was really giving some backstories. Like his description and all this uh, Tim Storm match was 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 brilliant. I mean, especially Tim Storm, who's an older man in his fifties. Like mm-hmm. he really got you behind that story. So it's a it's a bummer and it's unfortunate, but. But yeah, I mean, lead story in in the Wrestling Observer this week. Like that's how that's how big of a deal it was. I think. N- I'm surprised that's the lead story. That's the lead story. Man, yeah, I mean, it, it was the like they spent 25 minutes talking about it on on a Wrestling Observer radio this morning. Wow, uh, maybe not that long, but it was it was a long first segment. So I think the thing that um, I think is interesting to discuss, being that you know, obviously. David Lagana is in it. You know, he's an executive producer. He's running the show. He's done big stuff. Worked for WWE. So obviously, I'm not comparing what I do to what he does. But I was just thinking, you know, from a podcasting perspective, like let's say you and I were recording the show, and um, you know, one of us was a little off color with a joke, and me in editing this show. Um, you know, just was like, mm, I'm just gonna let that fly. Like, I didn't, I didn't really hear it. I didn't, I don't really believe that that's that that's wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, let's say that you said it, you just get blasted by you know people listening to this show. Me being the editor, I should take some blame for that. And I think you know most people want to lay the blame on Cornette. Fine, completely fine. Um, it's an old, you know, it's an old line that he's used. He should have known better, absolutely for sure. But that's why you have an editor on, you know, that's why that's why people have editors on anything, right? Is 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 you want and and Dave Lagana, you know, I I got to interview him uh, with Big Dave, and he's so meticulous in wanting that show to move, move, move. So he's like all about editing, and just the fact that he let it go uh, was, you know, I think I don't think he's getting enough blame, but at the same time, like. You know, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for Jim. Uh, he probably feels horrible. <laughs> like, you know, imagine you're the guy, you know, imagine you're the guy who's who's running that ship and and you let something like that slip and all of a sudden your main, your number two star in the company is fired because you failed to edit a line out of, out of, out of the, you know, announcing. So I mean, it's not just you're losing a, a great color commentary. You're losing, you're losing a, a great producer, a man that has history of drawing big money that can help these young guys and, and girls out on the roster when, when, you know, they need help with a promo or match or, you know, he's, he's, he's such a value, uh, when it comes to that, like his history, you know, you want a guy like that around and it's unfortunate that he won't be. And so, you know, that's a huge loss all the way around, not just on, on screen, but in the back, in, in the backstage as well. I will be really surprised if let's say MLW, um, asks him back, or you know, any one of these uh, these these upstarts um, asks him. I think I think he just has too many detractors right now, and he's a bit of a bullseye. And and he people are going to find anything that he does and and try to make a big deal out of it. So I I don't see him actually doing anything. And I think it's probably best for him to just lay back and you know just do his yeah. podcast, yeah. write his books. You know he's he's got his his website and he can do that stuff, but I think he's I think he's uh, a little bit too uh, 
explosive right now for for anybody. He's also not he's not he's not looking for the work. The people are coming to him to ask him to be on these shows because you know. So he he's fine. He I, you know he'll he'll like I said he has a successful podcast that's doing great numbers. He's and... not he's not making a lot of money on that show though. You don't think so? You think he's doing? Nah. I mean, I think he's doing all right. He's comfortable, eh. I guess. Eh, I think it's a hobby. I, for for him, it's a side hobby. It's not mm-hmm. a main side. income thing. Yes, yeah, gr- I'm sure it's a great side hobby because he enjoys it. So, mm-hmm. but it, he's not. You know, he's not paying his rent with podcast money. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let let's move on. Uh, we want to quickly go through these shows this weekend. What is your schedule for Takeover and Survivor Series? Are you going to be are you gonna watch these live? Are you gonna watch them late? Like, what's your what's your schedule for this stuff? Well, always, always for me, it's always late now with the kids, so I have to, and it's definitely gonna be later because I'm going to the for Survivor Series at least because I'm going to the Niners and Packers game here in Santa Clara. So once I get home from that, I'm definitely gonna turn on four hours of wrestling and <laughs> try to hold on best if I have my have to finish it the next day, you know. But I'm gonna do my best. If, I mean, because I'm really excited about the Survivor Series shows. And and takeover too. So what, what it what excites you about the Survivor Series overall? I'm just enjoying all the build of the matches, all the matches I have interest in. Um, even uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, I'm surprised him, but you know, I mean, Bray cut a great promo building up to his match with Brock. You know, Heyman cut a pro- great promo as, as always. Um, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, I, I know it's gonna be he Brock's gonna destroy him and all this stuff, but like. You know, classic pro wrestling. They've been doing a great job with this build, and that kind of. At first, when they you were shooting this angle, I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know who's gonna. But but they really laid it out really well. I mean, kudos to Paul Heyman on this. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I want to see that match. I want to see all the stuff with with. I still want to see the women how they're gonna do. Definitely with Shayna in it. You know, I always have a, a vested interest in what she's doing, and um, and. Uh, you know, every match seems pretty, pretty good. I mean, I'm probably not going to watch the pre-show stuff, but, you know, the main car stuff I'm definitely looking forward to. Okay, what... Okay, so let, let's use the same booking uh, brain that <laughs> you had for Scorpio Sky and Jericho, and let's use it for Ray and Brock. Now, making it a no-holds-barred match, I think, is so that we believe, because Ray laid Brock out with that chair in Saudi Arabia... So that maybe evens out the odds for and the for pipe Ray. on the show. He is a pipe to you know take out uh, Brock's knee, and they did a great thing where they actually talked about how Brock didn't. You know, they kind of in passing said Brock didn't leave on his own power. So we'll see how 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 healthy you know Brock will be in coming into this match and how that so, plays into it. So evening out the odds a little bit, mm-hmm. but in this serious buildup, are they? making you think that Rey Mysterio could possibly win this match? Well, I think that's the whole no-holds-barred gimmick is what they're trying to get the casual fans to believe. Hey, if there's no rules, he can use the gimmicks and it's hardcore. When that can happen? He can use a chair or whatnot. So that's that's the idea. That's the I, that's the idea behind no-holds-barred is to give Rey a little more ammunition to go against this monster. But, I, you know, of course, you know, Rey shouldn't beat Brock. I hope to God no. But uh, it should be it should be fun and entertaining. Do you think that the no holds barred gimmick is also there for Dominic somehow to get involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he could use Dominic. That'd be good. You know, he can get in and at a certain point when Ray maybe is down and out or something like that, and 
Dominic jumps in, his try to hit him with the, maybe hits him with a chair, but Brock could no sell that son of a gun and kill <laughs> Dominic and and uh, yeah, yeah, you could, you could do a no, lot I of mean, this stuff. I, I mean, I, li- I like the match. I, I mean, you know, it's, not all, it's many... all for smoke and mirrors for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and not too many people probably remember when they did some stuff uh, a little bit back in the day, but. Um, you know, Ray is so good at, at being Ray and Brock is fantastic at being Brock. I, I think, I think the match will be fun, but you know, it's also one of those things where, you know, we're always, and, and our buddy Dave Dutra, you know, he's, he's always like watching the Brock match so closely because he, he, he doesn't like the patterns uh, a lot of the times. And sometimes they change up the patterns, like with Daniel Bryan, like that match was a little bit different. Uh, the AJ Styles match from a couple years ago was a little bit different, mm-hmm. but there is a pa- there can be a pattern to a Brock match, and it sounds like the no the the no holds barred stip is a way to get out of that pattern a little bit as well. So hopefully, I mean, there's all, all his matches use tables and stuff too for the most part too. So they kind of always kind of go no holds barred, but I think it's just a way for fans to you know the casual fans you want to say or just fans to believe that Ray can win, and it's a little different than Scorpio Sky and and and. And Jericho, because you know Scorpio Sky, like I said, he's not a star, so this is the time to make him into a star. Ray's already a star, so he's not gonna if he loses and gets killed by Brock, it's not gonna hurt him at all, you know. So it's it's a little different when it comes to that. So I will say that the only the only thing I'm really looking forward to on this show is the. Um, the brand supremacy triple threat matches and the and, and, and i'm not looking forward to it because i think of it as oh whatever brand wins is is better i look at it because i, I like the, i like what becky says basically that you know she's the champion like she's the best of all of all the champions and so it, it's an opportunity to prove that's what's an opportunity to prove is, is you got becky you got bailey and you got shana your three champions who's the best I like that idea. I wish they would push that way more than which brand is the best mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and Becky does that on her own because she, you know, she's she's not really um, strapped down by, by the brand idea. But, you know, when you talk about the Viking Raiders versus the New Day versus the Undisputed Era, like, I want to see, like, out of those tag teams which tag team is the best and, and which tag team believes that they're the best. Same thing with the, you know, the United States championship versus the intercontinental championship versus the North American championship, AJ, uh, Nakamura, Roderick strong. Like there, I, I would imagine maybe not with Nakamura, but with Roderick strong and AJ, there's probably a little bit of friendly competition in that match. Cause you know, Roderick is trying to show like, I, I can go with anybody, and and I this is my biggest stage to actually have this match. So I imagine he's going to be so pumped for that match, and you know AJ is uh, you know he's arguably you know the best guy uh, uh, in WWE. So I think stuff like that is really fun because I think part of the part of wrestling that I really like is even though yes it's predetermined whatever there is competition because. The, these guys want to show that they are so good at their craft. And, you know, those three matches, I think, are opportunities for that to happen. And I do think there's there's some pride involved in that. Like Becky, no matter if Becky's going to win this match or maybe Shayna wins or maybe Bailey wins, uh, pr- Bailey's probably not going to win. But there is something in there to go, okay, in the scope of this match, win or lose, I kind of want to 
show how how really good I am at this thing called professional wrestling. Yeah, I think everyone's going to have something to prove. You know, even on the NXT side, they're, they're going to be totally gung-ho for this, and they're excited, and they should be. This is a big opportunity for them to get, you know, get from this big audience and show what they got, and for for definitely future considerations on the main card. Um, but I think in the end, I think on this pay-per-view, I expect, I expect all the brands to have you know, to come out strong. That's that's the that should be the goal at least, you know. They shouldn't be just, you know, dominant over NXT or something like that. I don't think so. Triple H is very protective of the NXT brand. And I know Vince has final say and he can always just, you know, do something crazy and say, Nope, this is where it's gonna be but I think Triple A will 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 put up a fight for the NXT brand and and I just hope, as uh, long as Shane doesn't lose, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, but I don't think so. I think Bailey's the one to take the fall in that match, and she should. I mean, who cares about Bailey? I mean, no one does. The matches that I really don't care about are these elimination matches, and it's not because I don't think they'll be fun. They just won't allow. They won't be allowed to be as good as they could be because instead of you know nine eliminations, now mm-hmm. you have fourteen eliminations. How do you get fourteen eliminations? In a 30-minute match, that means, you know, one person every two minutes has got to get pinned. Like, I, I, the, the, uh, uh, they, they may do stuff like five people get disqualified at one time, which is, you know, just no, stupid. But, but I, I mean, it's almost, I, 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 I mean, do you want to see 14 guys just get pinned, like, Lucha style? Like, no, and it's Lucha either. two out of three falls match? Yeah, no, I know. I hope, I hope, I hope, like, at least the, the men's brand um elimination match gets a lot of time you know i think you can tell a lot of stories there you know so i I hope so you know i hope that happens but yeah it could be fast it could eliminations could come fast and furious which would be frustrating but as long as the those eliminations are not like the the top guys you know then you, you leave more time to the to your big guns and that'd be good and the fact that we still don't have a team nxt is kind of frustrating <laughs> like uh, I mean, I guess they could either tell that story on Friday, like maybe that's the hook for SmackDown, or uh, maybe we gotta wait until after. Um, maybe just a hook for takeover. the pay per view. See what the NXT has. You know, maybe uh, it's a, a little surprise, but I, I, I mean, there could be a surprise, right? Like it could, you know, maybe, maybe Dream is ready to come back. Uh, I, I don't know what else, what other surprises they could be. Uh, someone had mentioned, uh, actually, I think it was. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard Morrison. Maybe Morrison shows up and and, and is a surprise. I, I don't know, but I, I just think it's kind. Of, it's you know, I to some extent I give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt because you know in today's day and age with WWE things are changing so much and they're booking week to week. Like I can't imagine that it's easy to be organized on this kind of show when you have a takeover mat, a takeover show, then you have a Survivor Series show. And I mean, if you count the the number of people on this Survivor Series show, like you're talking about like 40 some odd people, you know, maybe even more for one show. And it can't be easy to, to keep straight if you're booking week to week and you don't have long term plans. So, I mean, I, I, I not not to say that they should that I should feel like, you know, that that they can allow to be unorganized. But I just with the way that things change and everything's last minute, like I, I, I understand like why it's like this. What if Triple H is one of the guys for NXT? <laughs> well, I mean that that was that was one of the things that I that I heard as well. But when I asked uh, Big Dave Meltzer, he said he didn't think so. Early, no, he didn't say he didn't think so. He said 
Triple H said he wasn't going to be involved, but that doesn't no. mean anything. I said, yeah. What about Sean? What about the googly eye? But no, I don't think Sean's going to be in it either. Um, okay, so I guess some of the other matches uh, we have the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. It's been a little bit of an of a late build for that match, and I know they're going to do something on SmackDown. Daniel Bryan's always going to be good, but you know he, I think he's kind of like the. Uh, the, the guy just to further uh, get The Fiend over. But it is kind of weird, right? Like, it feels like The Fiend and his match is very secondary on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm okay with that right now. There's so much going on with the with the brand stuff. It, it's fine. I'm fine with it. And in, a, in, in something that I really like that they're doing is uh, Adam Cole against the... Uh, the takeover uh, winner of the triple threat match mm-hmm. between uh, Pete Dunne, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest. So you know you could you could have interesting matches with either of those three. I personally, I would hope it's Pete Dunne, but if it's not, then so be it. Like I think I think they'll they'll still have a good match. The thing that I hope though, and and this is what I hope for takeover for the NXT brand, is that I hope what happens at TakeOver bleeds onto Survivor Series. So, for instance, on TakeOver, Shayna is heading a team in in War Games. And more than likely, Shayna is going to be there at the end, whether she wins or loses. Now, heading into that match against Becky Lynch, if Shayna gets beat up in that match, she should sell that beatdown, right? She should sell being hurt on Survivor Series, and the announcers on Survivor Series should say the reason why Shayna is uh, has come up l- lame is because she had this crazy match at Takeover the day before, and so you have that synergy between the shows, and it should bleed over into SummerSlam. So if Pete Dunne wins this match at Takeover and he faces Adam Adam Cole, they should show highlights from that match and go look. You know, Pete Dunne had to go through these two giants to make it to this match. Adam Cole was in uh, was in a War Games match. Both of these guys just wrestled crazy matches last night, and 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 people should be vested. They should have a vested interest in what happened on Takeover and what happens on SummerSlam. I think there's a possibility for some really good synergy between these shows. And I hope they take advantage of it. I hope they don't just feel like, oh, it's not that important. No, nope, Shayna's not going to limp. She got killed in War Games, but no, she's going to be fresh. Like, that is such a, like, a, you know, you're, you're basically punishing people who watch TakeOver when you do that. I doubt that will happen. I think they're definitely going to just, it's going to be synergy between both shows. They're going to be stories that take from TakeOver. It's going to lead into the matches on Survivor Series. I think, like, I was just talking to my buddy about Adam Cole. And I was talking about, you know, I think there's some great stuff they can tell with him just from this Wednesday to Survivor Series. Like, he just competed in a ladder match. You know, he can come in, you know, beat up for war games. He's the one that loses a fall in war games to someone, which sets up a future, maybe Ciampa, the sense of a future title shot for him, maybe at the next takeover, you know, in February. Or even, you know, and then whoever he wrestles in that three-way, the winner of the three-way, which most likely is going to be Pete Dunne, like he is beat up. To, he's been through a ladder match, a war games. Now he has to defend his title against Pete Dunne. 
and he survives that. So that makes him stronger as a champion to survive mm-hmm. all that odds. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I think that's that's a great storytelling opportunity for with, between those three matches to tell future stories later on. And, and I, I definitely that should take advantage. I think Cole should lose the fall in that war games to build for a future title shot for someone in that match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I hope so because the one thing that I think that it has shown in the build to Survivor Series is that NXT now with with it being on USA you can no longer say ah you know it's just this WWE network product you have it on cable it is on the same network that Raw is on and I think you should start to take it seriously when it comes to this stuff I'm not saying that you have to have an NXT match at every uh, at every pay-per-view that that's not what I'm saying but the big four or the big five, I think you should because you it's it's a it's a way to get people, your hard you know your audience your raw and SmackDown audience, who are like ah you know, NXT not for me you know I get it like it should be for for those fans and and you know I know for me. Even though, you know, the presentation on Raw and SmackDown and the bigger stars and Brock Lesnar and and Roman Reigns, like, you know, okay, that's on Raw and SmackDown. That's what you're going to get. But I find the NXT product to be better. And um, I think they should start taking it seriously because if you're not going to grow, if, if that show is just there to kind of take away the night from AEW, you're not using it to, to its full advantage because it does have a hardcore fan base and i think it is it is quality wrestling and uh i think you need to you need to figure out what you can do with these guys because man you know you know when i watched the uh and we'll, we'll get to the, the the match of the weekend the match of the uh, of the night for for last night in a second but when i watched the undisputed era and revival i saw like a sense of freedom like i saw revival just go this is what I miss doing, having matches like this in NXT where I'm given some freedom, I'm given some time, you know, and and we could just have a great wrestling match because that was my favorite match. I know a lot of people said Phoenix and Nick Jackson, and I get it. I thought that was really good too, but this was like my favorite style of wrestling, the serious style, tag team wrestling, you know, you know, uh, being smart and logical and strong, you know, strong wrestling. Like that's my favorite style. And that was my favorite match of, uh, of both shows. But I just saw like, you know, the revival, they're just like, I just saw like a, like a, like uh, some anxiety come off of them or something like, okay, we, we know how to do this. We're really good at this. And uh, they just had a really kick-ass match. I loved it. Yeah. That was my favorite match too. It was definitely the match of the, the night match of the month. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really, it was awesome. And that, you know, I miss, that's just, you know, that's the stuff I love. And it's just a throwback match and, and everyone, God, everyone got over, you know, and everyone was working hard and, and revival always works hard. And, you know, the main roster, everyone has to understand it's, 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 it's just such a different animal than NXT. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're definitely going to give more time. And, and, and plus NXT, you know, NXT WWE, knows this match is a dream match right so they gave him the two commercial breaks to work through this match and it was long and i enjoyed it and everyone did gray body fish 
somehow always gets busted up or something. Like yeah, I don't know. I know. He just has I that. Know. He just has that ability to get nicked up or injured. So I was a little worried about him. Like, oh no, because you know, I don't you know? Not, luckily, he's not nothing too serious. So um, yeah, that was definitely my favorite favorite of the night by far. You know, it blew blew everything away. I I will say that Nick Jackson and Phoenix are so talented. Um, they can do things that, you know, you know, when we were kids and we were, we would like think of finishes, like we were like, okay, what, how, how, like, what's something that we haven't seen yet? And we would think of like certain moves and go, okay, like nobody could do this, you know, 720 off the top rope or something like that. I was very similar, like with uh, the NBA dunk contest. I was always thinking of like dunks that nobody could ever do. Uh, with you know, same thing with wrestling uh, finishes with my little wrestling guys, and they do stuff that I could have, I could never have imagined that you could actually do in a ring, and they do it so flawlessly, and maybe to some extent, them being so flawless, you know, makes it look a, a, a little too casual. But that's just kind of you know the athletic ability of both of those guys. But I, I didn't want to shortchange that match because, you know, for for that fan base that was like a perfect opening match on, on a show. And I, and I did like it too, but just that tag team match is just more my stuff, my favorite style of wrestling. So that, that was always going to win me over. Um, you know what I, what I did this week is uh, I watched the one hour Hulu version of NXT because um, it's just more tight. And, uh, and obviously I don't have to sort of sit through commercials. Like I can kind of, it, it just, takes them out so it just blends you know the the edits together i found that to be such a great show in one hour form and it's already a good show in a two-hour form though there's you know the for wrestling fans there's stuff in it that's like okay like i don't really need to watch this but you know maybe i'll keep an eye on this person who they're showcasing for a reason but the one match that this showed was uh kaylee ray uh, who did Kaylee Ray wrestle? Uh, was it uh, Dakota, Dakota Kai? Kai? Yeah. And I was like, okay, if there was a match that I did not need to see on a one-hour version of NXT, it was that one. And then the match that I saw that was the one that was taken out was uh, the Forgotten Sons. And, and who did they wrestle? I didn't see the match because War, they, the they took that off. So I would have rather seen that match than Kaylee Ray and Dakota Kai, but I guess they're trying to make sure that they do have uh, a women's match uh, on the one-hour version, too. Yeah, but, I'm guessing but, that's that's what it was for, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, that, but that Kaylee, that Kaylee Ray match was, was definitely needed for the show, for sure. Sure, sure, but, you know, I'm, you know, as a one-hour show, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of looking for that thing to move, and it moved, and that was the only thing that kind of, seemed a little bit out of place when it came to like the quality of everything but uh, but yeah i mean if you're looking for like uh, a way to 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 really condense a little a little bit of, of the wrestling and look you know i think AEW is is probably even best at a 90 minute show rather than than the 2 hours that that they do have so not that i'm you know not that a 2 hour show isn't good cuz i'm usually you know very much entertained by AEW every time i watch it but you know there's there's a lot of stuff that they could cut out too and that's what i you know the NXT show Man, you know, as a two-hour show, it's good. As a one-hour show, it is so good. So that's just my two cents. I think I'm going to watch the one-hour show, the one-hour version of it, because I just liked it a lot more. 
I mean, you might miss something. Don't 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 do that. There might be something you you might they might take out. Like the War Raiders Forgotten Sons matches was pretty good. It went a little too long for me. Like I thought maybe they could have shaved a minute or two. Yeah, off, but, but I mean, but is it the end of the world? Like, do I need to watch another hour of TV just to see that ten minute match? Yeah, we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so. Um, is there anything else on NXT that you wanted to talk about? I know we kind of skipped around and we talked a little bit about it in the beginning of the show, and then we talked Dynamite. And you know, is there anything else in NXT? Because I mean, they did they just did a lot of build to, to the Survivor I just, Series. I just thought it was the, one of the best wrestling TV shows I've seen in a very long time, from, from the beginning to the end. Like everything was just was just rolling, and the angles were great, and the timing of everyone's like how they laid everything out was really okay, well but- done. You're telling me that you liked the Matt Riddle and Ricochet, like, five-minute, you know, yeah, kind of... that was good. I, th- I, th- I felt like, I was like, man... You know what's funny? I, you're, you're promising, you know, they didn't promise anything, right? It was a surprise match. It's but a surprise. I was like, it was, I was like, you know, you talked about Dream Match, like, with uh, with Revival and, uh, and Undisputed Era, Fish and O'Reilly. When I saw Ricochet and Riddle... I was like, holy shit, like, this is going to be so great. And then I was, right when I saw what was going to happen, I just got super disappointed. That well, it was going to be short? What was it? Three minutes? Well, it's a tease for something in the future, possibly, between those yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, but, you know, Ricochet's on Raw. It's not like he's on NXT. Yeah, but maybe down the line. I thought it was cool. Like it, it came out in surprise. I, you know, I was excited to see Kona Reeves. Honestly, I'm a big uh, uh, fan of Kona Reeves. I think that that kid has a lot of potential. Um, if I was them, I would put him on NXT UK. And I know you're saying like, well, no one really watches NXT UK, but I think it's, it would give him time to flesh out a character, and you know, give him some more TV time because it's hard to come by right now on the NXT show. So. Uh, but anyways, I, I thought the I thought that was a fun little little thing, and it wasn't really about the match. It was the lead into all the craziness, right? With all the interference stuff. But I thought that was a fun match. What they did, I mean, for the short time they're in there, I thought they were they they did really. It was serious. It was um, you know you know Riddle has that laid back like yeah let's do it. But like when it comes to the wrestling part, man, he turns it up. I. I don't know. I mean, you know, when this is better than Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Oh no way! Oh yeah. This this is a wrestling show, and when you put a match like that together, as a fan, I'm thinking, okay, this has got to go ten minutes at least because this is the wrestling show of the week. And when you do the WWE stuff, where you know you have a quick finish because of whatever reason, you know, the Raw or the SmackDown stuff, I'm just like. Like why even like why why can't you save oh, but, it for when but, you can really do it? I'm confused. But what they did was pro wrestling. They did pro wrestling. That's pro wrestling. That's 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 mid south. They have a match about to start. Some craziness happens. Boom 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 boom. There's more more craziness happens. It's like it was it was really well done. But we're not in 1985. We're we're watching guys who can do great wrestling on uh, on tv like the reason why you do angle 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 angles because the angles were dominating the show that's what sold the show today the angles don't sell the show the wrestling sells the show and well the angle needs to sell that pay-per-view so that's why they did it i mean the the focus of the show was 
obviously build to Survivor Series, so there had okay, to be. Okay, but then why do you do? Like you can't why, just have, then why is Ricochet in that? Well, then why why do you? Isn't he on the this... five on five match or something like that? Yeah, but Matt but Matt Riddle's not in that match. Maybe Matt not, Riddle's facing if... Finn Balor at Takeover, but not Survivor Series. Who knows if he's going to be in that match with the 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 as team nxt because they have announced it right so he could be that guy in that match and now we saw a little glimpse now they gave us a little glimpse on nxt tv but now so when they basically you're up saying that Survivor ricochet match, is pinning matt riddle at survivor series uh possibly yeah <laughs> i mean guys gotta get someone gotta get a pin in this elimination match you know look if 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 uh mark smack books ricochet and matt riddle at apw and that match ends in three minutes. I'm pissed, and I'm but gonna this tell is, That's different. That's that's a, that's a house show thing. This is a TV show, a TV show that is based around lots and lots of great wrestling, which we but saw. Why pigeonhole it with just the wrestling? They're, they can do angles too. When they okay, did, but the they ang- it's well. not like the angle was great. It was the they did the same angle three times in a row. It's like it's not like you could have. It's it's not like it was super original and. And, you know, you, you after that thing, you were like, oh, I can't wait for this pay-per-view. You're like, okay, that was cool. And then they did it again. And then they did it again. Like, you're like, okay, like, it's the same thing three times in a row. I don't know. I thought it all worked well together. I thought it was great. Like I said, I thought this was, honestly, I thought this was, like, one of the better, best wrestling TV shows I've seen in a, quite a while. Like, this is one I can, I will remember for a while. But, like, yeah, I remember that when they built that Survivor Series, that NXT Go Home was really well done. Well, I thought it was good. I there were there were there there were things I didn't like, but it's like it's I'm just kind. I think I I think because of my mentality is WWE TV is going to set up something and it's going to under deliver, and I'm not surprised when it happens. And that was what that fit for me. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope this. Let's hope we have two great shows this weekend, and and we're all happy and like. In the AEW show, like I thought, it's funny because you love this one. I, I, I was like, this is the first one I thought like, I, I, usually there's something on AEW that I really enjoy. Usually it's with Jericho. Usually it's with Cody, right? For the most part, but I do like some stuff that Moxley does. I, I'm getting into Darby Allen. I was really pumped for that match, that main event. And like, what did you think of that main event? Did you think, did you think Darby end up getting over? I felt like he, he, it wasn't like a, a big deal I thought it was going to be. Like No, I don't think he took advantage. I don't... Uh, I, it was and, just and, Moxley and, being dominant, really. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, I don't think they took advantage of Darby at all. It was no. almost like, oh, you know, Darby will get over just by being with Moxley, but I think that's why that Moxley character is so one-dimensional to me is because he has to he has to be, you know, this wild card guy He's got to be so brutal, and, you know, in order to do that, then he you're sort of sacrificing the other guys in order for him to, to be a main guy. That, that's why, I've, you know, that, that's been my issue with, with this character from the beginning, all the way, you know, from, uh, from, from the first few matches that he's had, is he, he cannot be a, a three-dimensional character. He's got to be sort of like one way, and... You know, if he becomes the biggest star in the company, then maybe that's fine. But you are sacrificing someone like someone like Darby in in the process. I I wouldn't have put Darby in the match with him if that was going to be the way that they did it. If yeah, I thought this would be like I thought yeah for sure Moxie would win, but I thought this would be an opportunity to really make Darby into someone feeling special going forward, and it just felt like 
you know, or this could have been a series of something down the line. You want to see this happen again, but like I don't want to see it happen again. Like I just saw Moxley just, you know, basically destroy this kid. He had some moments, but nothing to where like the end. I was thinking like, yeah, man, that Darby man, he still stood out and he still put a just kind of came and went. And this that's what probably the whole reason this whole the whole show that AEW I was disappointed in was a lot of booking stuff like that was really frustrating for me. Like you know, Ray Phoenix and and Nick Jackson. You know, was you know for that audience it was a great match. Um, but what was frustrating for me was just having the match. And I'll tell you why. Because last week, what happened last week? The LAX Pride and Powerful beat. You know, they brawled all over the building. They put mm-hmm. Matt Jackson through a a, a, a stage. Right? They power bonded to the stage. Yeah, he's, he wasn't there. He's not this there. Week. So where's the thread? to next week i know they came out later in that match and i'll talk about that in a second tag match with party city and um and and uh ortiz and santana but like as a, as a as if you're writing this if you're trying try to tell a story if you're nick jackson and your and your brother matt jackson's been beat and powerbombed through a table he's not would he really want to wrestle phoenix or would he want to get his hands on one of those guys right and i don't understand like why that they should have they should have picked they should have booked Nick Jackson and Santana or Nick Jackson and Ortiz or something like that. I think that would have been that would have been good. I think they missed that opportunity. And later on, I think they oh well he came out and helped the uh, you know Party City beat Pride and Powerful, but 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 no, it didn't have that impact. And why are you beating Pride and Powerful right now? Like they're getting some momentum going, and now they're getting beat by Party City in this, in this quick pin that didn't do anything for Party City, and like. And there's another thing that drives me nuts. Like, okay, Party City, right? They beat the Young Bucks, right? That was like the oh my god, they beat the our top team. They 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 pulled the upset. These are the guys you got to watch for the future. And then they lose to Best Friends on Dark this week, you know. But then they beat Santana Ortiz. Like, you're not you're you, okay. People get really upset about WWE. It's just fifty fifty booking. I'm seeing a lot of fifty booking fifty fifty booking AEW too. And I just think that's how you don't make people like that. You have to have them keep winning. I think Santana Ortiz actually should have just, they should have, but they're more important. I think there's a future SEU Santana Ortiz match down the line where the Young Bucks could come out and maybe cause them to lose. And then to build up to some big stip match between these two teams of or the Bucks and Pride and Powerful or something like that. Like it just seemed just really jumbled and, and they, 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 they didn't, capitalize on a lot of the stuff that they had they have going for them right now i did not agree with private party winning that match either no and it makes that that uh promo that we were talking about where uh santana and ortiz are talking about how they don't even really care about the titles they just want to beat the young bucks because they know the young bucks are the best tag team in the world and they had just beaten the young bucks so shouldn't that make them the best tag team and then now they just lost private party so maybe private party is the best tag team in the world you know Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, you know, I have a problem with Private Party just because they're so green. Not to say that they don't deserve to be on TV, but just the fact that they're beating all of these other teams, it, it's not believable to me. But I also have to sort of pull back and go, you know, this is a first. You know, they're they're definitely. You know, I, I will not give WWE the same benefit of the doubt as I give AEW because AEW is brand new and they're kind of set. You know, getting their feet wet. Whereas WWE's been in my life since I was you know, eight years old or whatever. And, and so they should be above a lot of the mistakes that AEW makes. But 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 there is fault in a lot of the things that they do. I don't think the Bucks should have lost any of these matches. I don't think Kenny should have lost any of these matches. But they're they're trying to use those technically quote unquote made guys, and I don't agree that they're made yet. Like I think they need to be made before they can make other guys. So mm-hmm. no, I agree. I mean, yeah, we we talked we, about we, we've already we 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 agree on what, that part, and and that's just you, kind of the deal. What did you think of that match with Billy Gunn and, the, and all the little boys in the match? <laughs> Billy Gunn was the great Kali of the Battle Royal. <laughs> My God, don't ever book <laughs> Billy Gunn in matches. Not because he's not good, because he is. He's a talented guy. But, man, he just okay, can exposes I, can I, can these I guys. Tell, can I tell you why I think he was in that match? And, and I may be completely wrong here. Why? But I, I think on... Um, I don't know if it was on, uh, on, on SmackDown or Raw... But there was a there was a jobber by the name of Kip something or other, which is Billy Gunn's real first name. I thought like I, I think I think they had a jobber who was you know what whatever Kip what Kip something. And so it was either about Billy Gunn or it was about Kip Sabian, and they're using the first name of this jobber kind of as a you know a little subtle shot. Like nobody really cares that much. And I think AEW is so meta about that stuff. They're like oh. Our hardcore fans will get a kick out of this that we have both Kip Sabian and Billy Gunn, aka Kip Sop, in this match at the same time. Now, I may be no. completely wrong <laughs> about that, but I but but I think that they that they do think like that. Like, oh, WWE's taking a shot at us. I think well, the, we're we're gonna we're gonna kind of turn that into into our own thing and 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 make it fun. I think he was just a name they they wanted to you know who's in this battle royal. They didn't really announce who was in it and. He, he was a name from the past that people recognize. He can still go, you know. That's that's that was his role is to kind of you know get that. Well, if there is that casual audience watching, they hey, I remember Billy Gunn, Mister Assman, and well, the and then they saw only, he was bullshitting it. He was he was only there to get Orange Cassidy over, right? Oh, to get those God. acts over because he was like, who are you? Like it was almost like one of those things where he was like. I am from a different era. Who the hell are you? And then he was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm kind of cool old guy. I'm in. And then they get tossed out. But no, I'm serious. I do think there was a little tongue-in-cheek of them playing into WWE using Kip as a jobber name. not, Not to say that that's the main reason, but I do think there was, like, little cuteness because AEW, like, they're watching, right? Like, they, they have to watch all of this stuff. They have to... You know, Vince McMahon doesn't have to watch AEW. Tony Khan has to watch WWE. And he has to know everything they're doing. Because that's the business. That's the landscape that he is in. So, not not to say that that's the main reason. But I do think there's a little bit of... A little bit of tongue-in-cheekness going on there. Yeah. And then, did you see... Oh, my God. Did you see... Why did Joey Janela throw himself to the middle rope for no apparent reason at all in the opening of the match? Did you see that? I don't know. I don't think the camera caught it, right? Clear clear as day. I I watched it three times because I couldn't believe what I... I'm like, what did he do? Like, first of all, I saw someone chased after... Right away went after Orange Cassie who just slid over to the side and the the guy took a bump through the middle rope, which made that guy look like like garbage, right? Great. Let's build up stars. And um, And then Joey Janela... Who's like basically in the corner to the to uh, Orange Cassie's right? You know, he just runs towards the opposite corner and dives through the the middle rope and Chuck E. Cheese on a knee. Like, look at him! Like, what the hell he do? 
Man. There was a lot of there was a lot of that in that match. And then why in the heck are we protecting Jimmy Havoc for? Oh my god, dude. That was well, crazy. Well, you know, you know why? It's because he you choked, know, got choked out by Excalibur? Like what No, the... well, well, you know, if you're if you're Tony Khan and you're like bringing all of these guys in and and there's like sort of this hope for people who WWE would probably, you know, not really think are are top talents, you know, you want to keep these guys happy to some extent. Like like, you know, we talked about this last week which was, you know, why is Darby Allen not on this pay-per-view? I'm sure Tony Khan felt like a jackass for Darby Allen not being on that pay-per-view. And he's like, oh, I got to get him on. You know, I, I got to put him back on, you know. But it's, but look, it's it's first time Booker. Like, he's never done this before. And you got these guys, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's the, it's the, the you know, too many cooks in the kitchen or whatever. True. And it's true. It's like Cody. Definitely. The Bucks, like these guys, have never done this before, so they are learning in need, front of a national audience. They need someone to kind of just expedite, you know, like, like kind of like go through and and checks and balances of you know the well, stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they they need someone like you who will go like, okay, you can do this, but remember this is what we did last week, and they're like, Not okay, my head yeah, would yeah. be on the brain be splattered against a wall if they came up with the, all these ideas like no but you would have that the, there is someone who would no, need to kind no, of manage, manage yeah. these but like they got to learn that right like, like like if they don't learn then they're going to fail if they do learn and they go okay we, we've now done six weeks or seven weeks television this works this works okay this is not really working how do we improve this that's how you do it and that's why i say i give them the benefit of the doubt more than i give wwe the benefit of the doubt only because wwe is supposed to be the nba of this pro wrestling stuff or the nfl or the major league like they're they're the top of the league right and they still do things that bother me so much so i'm like if wwe is going to do stuff that frustrates me AEW is obviously going to do, going to have some mistakes here. I'm just going to hold WWE more accountable because they're supposed to be the top of the league. It's just that match frustrated the hell out of me. And then like, like, like who's the eight? Like, I put some responsibility on an agent too. Like, there's a moment where, you know, one of the eliminations when Billy when Billy Gunn gets eliminated, he got eliminated by Adam Page, your top babyface in the match, and the crowd booed it. Like, you don't have Billy Gunn who's going to be popular with this crowd because he's a former star. You don't have your top baby face in the match. Eliminate him. That was... I, know, I mean, there's a possibility of Adam Page going heel, though, right? But not right now when he's working MJF the next week. No. I, I think there is a possibility that Cody could interfere in that match and Page gets pissed off. And then he gets upset and they set up a match between them or something? Well, I mean, I, mean, I just know that, you know, on the... Uh, in, 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 in the being the elite stuff, like... Adam Page has already been like, okay, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I need to leave this group, or the elite, or whatever. So, I mean, they're like te- definitely teasing that stuff. I don't know if it's gonna happen now, but you know, there there could be breadcrumbs for for him turning heel or, or turning against the elite or being out of the elite. And so, you know, that that may happen at some point down the line. Yeah, it's that that whole battle royal thing was, and it's for a ring, a ring for what? Is it's, it's a promotion of consultation, uh, consolation prizes, right? It's like it, it's for it's for MJF to just like have you know, a ring, have this ring, and just be like, ah, look at my diamond ring. It was I'm, like a, di- for I'm a diamond can, in this business. I kind of wish it was like for some kind of number one contendership thing. I think that would. Be I, cool. I liked uh, Brian Alvarez's idea, which was how come Joey Janela and Kip Sabian weren't fighting for this ring so they could each try and give it to uh, Penelope? <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. Yeah, they, they, they didn't really have any interaction in the match, right? No, not at all. 
Yeah, then. I mean, they you know, they they have to get organized just like WWE has to get organized, but they have a lot of big ideas and they just need to connect them a little bit better. They need to utilize AEW Dark to connect some of these ideas. It's just I don't care about the matches as much. I watch, you know, I watch the pay-per-views and I watch Dynamite for the matches. I would like a little bit of connectivity to the storylines. I would like to see some guys cut promos. Yeah. I would like to see, you know, the Jurassic Express do skits to to to, you know, to to bring their personalities out. But I'm also going to give them the opportunity to figure it out. It's it's a lot of stuff and it's it's almost like you got a lot of these guys who are like you know, grown men uh, living their childhood dream in a sense, right? You're like, oh, we get to book wrestling. Like, this is what we have always always wanted to do. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes and they got to learn from those mistakes. And if they don't, then, you know, they probably burn out this audience. But if they do, then they're going to be able to sustain it and, you know, the product will just get better. I, I mean, there, there's going to be stuff that just is frustrating, but... You know, there there's stuff that frustrates me in WWE, and they've been the the brand. They've been they've been the leader. You know, f- ever since I was a kid. So, all right, um, let it. Let's move on here. We're gonna throw to an interview uh, that I did with our buddy Danny Acosta from Grapple Necks. Uh, he does photography. He's written for ShareDog before. Uh, he is in. You know, he's in media. He's doing a documentary i know he's a budding uh filmmaker so danny's a really cool guy but he's also a big boxing fan and he's in the bay area so he knows a lot about boxing knows a lot about mma he and i sat down to chit chat about the deontay wilder and luis ortiz fight that is this saturday night uh if you uh you know obviously it's it's all it's all wwe this weekend there's not i don't think there's a ufc show there may be some other mma stuff going on but if you have 20 bucks and are kind of intrigued at the idea of, of heavyweight boxing, this is not a bad opportunity to check out someone like Deontay Wilder, who could be a big deal. I was like completely against this pay-per-view, but as I've you know kind of gotten as we've gotten closer, I'm kind of into this fight. And it is mostly because I want to see really how good Deontay Wilder is. Uh, the heavyweight division has a ton of guys who are marketable, and I think he, you know, he's up there as far as marketability. Anthony Joshua, uh, I, I, I would think they, those two are probably the most marketable. But um, you know, it's at the movie theater, twenty bucks if, if it's if it's playing near you. Might not be a bad Saturday night if you you know you don't mind watching Takeover a little bit later, or maybe even before. I think Takeover actually starts. Uh, you you might be able to get through Takeover and still make it to the theater. So. If you're if you're on the West Coast, but uh, yeah, so so Danny and I we also talk a little bit about Canelo Alvarez and um, Oscar De La Hoya, and just the idea of uh, those guys, you know, whose whose careers or Oscar De La Hoya's post boxing career and Canelo's current boxing career kind of intermingled, and maybe those guys aren't gonna be uh, you know uh, partners uh, much longer. So throwing to Danny Acosta uh, in a second here, and uh, and we'll be back. When when we come back, we'll talk about the summer or Survivor Series showdown from 1993. All right, we're back with Danny Acosta. Danny, you've been around mixed martial arts and boxing and stuff uh, for a while. Before we even get into this, kind of give give folks your resume, like what where where have you worked and how long you've been following and all that stuff. 
Well, following lifelong, man, I used to grow up on Ninja Turtles and pro wrestling and, <laughs> you know, mixed martial arts uh, when you were able to watch it live on pay-per-view in 1993 as a seven-year-old really uh, makes an impact on you, you know, the the characters, and I was already a fan of Bloodsport and all the existing martial arts culture, you know, Bruce Lee and whatnot, and really just right time, right place, you know, I was uh, in my first journalism class and was on the SureDog forums and wanted to write for SureDog when I got out of college, and they had a partnership with ESPN at the time, and you know, I got in there, and suddenly I was on ESPN, so when I was knocking on doors for other stuff, uh, I had enough of a resume or a clip to kind of go forward and i haven't looked back since that's awesome um so obviously you're a big boxing fan and one of the things that we're going to talk about here right now is the upcoming deontay wilder against luis ortiz their rematch from uh, the fight a couple years ago uh, we both watched that fight recently just to kind of you know remember what had happened heading into this fight do you do you sense that um wilder could have problems again or watching it, you know, rewatching it, did, did you think that he had figured Ortiz out sort of by the end of it? No, I definitely believe that Wilder could have problems again. You know, Wilder is a one-punch threat almost, which is incredible considering his power, considering his, you know, physical gifts with his range. Uh, he is a straight right-hand fighter, but it is a, a death blow if you if you eat it. And Ortiz actually took a few before he really got rattled, you know, in the first fight back in uh, 2018, I believe it was March. So, you know, there's some time, 18 months or so have passed, and I think both of these guys are in a good place to do this rematch. Match. I thought the first fight was great. There was good spots for both fighters, and you know both guys kind of need this win. You know this is a pay per view. They need to continue to stay relevant, even though Wilder is you know the top heavyweight, arguably if not the top guy, depending on your view. They still have to continuously make that claim because you know <laughs> you're only as good as your last fight in mm -hmm. boxing. And uh, Ruiz and Joshua is coming up, you know, two weeks after. So you have to really. Uh, assert yourself and pressure for that fight, whether it's a Ruiz or Joshua win, you know, you have to be in that position. Ortiz would have to force a trilogy uh, Wilder has to hold his own and, you know, keep going for that unification. What do you think about Wilder even taking this fight? They've already got, so supposedly the fight with Fury has already signed the rematch with Fury, which feels like the big money match for him. Why even take this fight now? It's a good question. <laughs> Absolutely a good question. But I think for Wilder, he's always had that resume question and it's always stuck in his crawl as to, you know, people talking about he didn't face the top competition. You know, he's beating up 35 tomato cans. That's why he's knocking them out. So when you have a guy like Ortiz who's established and who, you know, you did good business with the first time and you beat why not take it on again? You know, is a 45, 49 year old, however old Ortiz <laughs> actually is, is, you know, that fighter going to be uh, better 18 months later? You know, that's only for Ortiz to show. But if you're in Wilder's camp, you're going, well, he's going to be more diminished. I'll get him out there in three rounds instead of, uh, you know, nine or 10 or whatever it was the first time. Yeah, that's what I think from that perspective is from their side, they're like, okay, took us a little while to figure him out. But by the end, you know, they, they were Wilder knocked him out and was at the 10th round, I think, um, of that first fight. But the interesting thing to me rewatching it is when Wilder is right, he's using his length and his athleticism. His jab is more of a measure than it is an actual jab. And like you said, he's setting up the right hand. The only thing he wants to do is throw the right hand and he's just finding the time to do it. 
on the flip side, when Ortiz was doing well, and, uh, you know, the, he's obviously southpaw, so that changes the game for Wilder a little bit. But when Ortiz was doing well, and Wilder was actually having to box and move and get away, he looked like horseshit. <laughs> and so if that happens again, I mean, that's obviously a weakness for him. And, uh, and Ortiz was able to impose his will in that, in that situation. I know you're absolutely right. And to me, that was the biggest takeaway of rewatching the first fight was, wow, Deontay's Wilder's corner. They do not know what they're doing. When Wilder goes back to the corner after he almost gets knocked out, you know, he arguably he's out on his feet. You know, that fight could have reasonably been stopped. Um, you know, if Ortiz was, you know, five more seconds more to work, his corner stays completely silent when he gets back there. And I'm talking about nothing. So you got to bring your guy back. You got to collect his faculties. You just lost 20 seconds <laughs> to get him back in there. And then, you know, the following round, Wilder's still kind of lackadaisical out there. So I think there's definitely a lot of weaknesses in uh, Wilder for Ortiz to exploit. And I think he was actually doing good body work in the first fight, kind of saving up for those later rounds. And, or, you know, Ortiz is going to make more adjustments, you'd imagine. Ortiz's corner was, you know, on him when he was going to those bad spots. So to me, I absolutely believe uh, Ortiz has a strategic advantage, a corner advantage. And he, I think he's a more technical fighter. You know, he knows what he's doing uh, when it comes to all facets of boxing, where. Deontay Wilder, for as good as he is, and arguably he is the best heavyweight out there right now, and, you know, someone who should absolutely be feared, revered, and, and a top draw, I'm a big Wilder fan, but I'm, I'm saying this because he absolutely has a terrible fight IQ when it comes to that. <laughs> you know, he is headhunting a lot of the time. He doesn't use that jab, uh, you know, like you said, for anything else other than uh, range finding. Mm -hmm. You know, he needs to use it to damage. Mm -hmm. He needs to uh, use different weapons. You know, one of the things that actually was successful in that first fight was he landed the uppercut, and that was the final uh, blow for Ortiz. So I think he needs to, you know, use more of his tool bag, and I don't know that he does or he needs to. And that's kind of the magic and the question behind Deontay Wilder. Well, if we look beyond the Ortiz fight, because I think that's what everyone is, is doing here, the Tyson Fury camp strategy was completely different, right? They took two fights with nobodies. And Fury, that second fight, I thought he, he won the fight fairly clearly, but he did have a humongous cut. He did not look good in the first six rounds or whatever that whatever the number was when he got hurt of that fight. And had he fought someone maybe a little bit higher caliber, we may have seen a, a different result. But you could, you know, going back to Ruiz and Joshua, like just having that fight ruins future business for these guys. Um, helps Andy, Andy Ruiz. But... It just seems like we watch what happened to Joshua. We watch what almost happened to Fury. How about we just wait <laughs> and not tempt fate here with this fight? Because, you know, rewatching it, I forgot how good Ortiz was doing in that fight during, at parts. I was just like, man, I, you know, I, I've, because the fight was a couple years ago and I remember the knockout, I was like, hmm, this was actually a lot closer. And I think some people even had Ortiz leading the cards until, the, until that 10th round. Well, Fury is a true wild card in this scenario because, you know, he didn't go straight into the rematch with Wilder. He went, he signed with top rank and ESPN and kind of removed himself from the equation. He had that nasty cut in the fight with who knows, you know, and that's the, the reason that Wilder doing this rematch actually makes sense is because at least Ortiz has some name value in the heavyweight division. At least he's there, uh, you know, considered a top guy where 
you know, Fury's pulling no name. So I really think that Wilder just needed a good stay busy fight. And this is it. It is absolutely risky still. And to me, that's a credit to Deontay Wilder. It's yes, he's facing a heavyweight whose age we don't know and uh, Ortiz potentially, but Ortiz is still dangerous. He still poses his problems. And for Wilder, it's good to get that work and stay fresh because when you get that rematch with Tyson Fury, you're going to have, you know, better training camps that you put together theoretically, you know, a harder time in the ring. You're going to not necessarily be shop worn, you know, like he isn't taking big punches. Ortiz landed and, you know, he was threatened, but that's few and far between for Deontay Wilder generally. So I think, I think he's preserved. I think he'll be able to get there. And I think it only makes a Fury rematch better. And, you know, this is all for him potentially to get that big money fight with Anthony Joshua. So I think in terms of stay busy fights, a rematch tour with Fury and Ortiz is just logical for Wilder. It's it's his money. It's big money. And also he's trying to carry pay-per-views for PBC. So, you know, he's buttering his bread by accepting, you know, a challenge like Ortiz. You and I are going to go try and see this at a movie theater. So we're not paying the 75 bucks or whatever it costs to watch this from your home. Um, and you know, that's fathom events is great. I love watching boxing in the theater. It is obviously cheaper too, but it's kind of fun to go see it with a bunch of people and see it on that big screen. Um, I don't based on, I mean, I could even look at the fathom theaters and compared to the last time that we, we went to see a fight at fathom, uh, it was, uh, Earl Spence and Sean Porter. And that fight was actually in more theaters out here in the Bay Area compared to this. This is only in like four theaters in the Bay Area. So I wonder, I wonder what's going on there. But how, what do you feel about sort of the hype for this as, as something that, that uh, could do business on pay-per-view? Man, if it gets 200,000 pay-per-view buys, I think that's a success. Uh, you know, it is the heavyweights. So they tend to draw better. But I don't feel that this has had the attention that the Errol Spence and Porter fight had. And, you know, that just could be because it's a rematch kind of no one asked for, if we're being honest. You know, Wilder and Ortiz is a fight that I want to see again based on the circumstances in the heavyweight division. But there was a conclusive ending the first time. And Ortiz didn't have high-profile fights to rebuild back to this point. So I'm not very enthusiastic about it as a pay-per-view. But, hey, the theater is a good option. You know, if you could scramble up some friends to do it, sure. But I don't think it is... uh the can't miss event that you know a heavyweight title fight should be but with that said you know i think wilder's really stayed to claim to be a can't miss heavyweight so it's kind of a toss-up to be honest that's why i'm going with that 200 uh success number you know i think anything lower is going to look bad if you're a heavyweight and you're going you know 150 yeah and and if you want to follow sort of the storyline of you know, Joshua versus Wilder versus Fury. Now Ruiz is kind of in the mix and maybe Ortiz, if he can get himself in this mix. But I think that's partially the reason, you know, because before when we were talking about this, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to spend the money, but Wilder is sort of can't miss in a sense. Um, You know, remember back in the day and these guys are way, not even apples to apples comparisons, but when Anderson Silva was so dominant uh, in, in the middleweight division in the UFC. And he, and he didn't really have a ton of competition either. He was fighting a lot of guys that he had beat before they even got in the cage. But the reason why I wanted to watch it is because I was like, this dude is greatness. And if I miss a fight of his, he's going to do something that I'm just going to be like, man, that was so great. And so I sort of feel similarly with, with Wilder because his style is one of, you know, he, he if he hits that right hand, 
um, he's going to knock the guy out. And and so to see that, I think is 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 uh, is a big deal, especially with the you know a lot of the prize fights that we see, a lot of these big money fights. You know, they they end in decisions, and you get to see hopefully uh, some some heavyweight slugging it out this weekend. Yeah, Wilder has always carried himself like a guy that is a can't-miss fighter, which is a credit to him, you know. He has the big entrances, he's filled out Barclays, you know, he's been on PBC and kind of built that brand, and they've built his brand in return. So, you know, he's been doing well, uh, Showtime, you know, classic fights, and uh, Wilder has been the guy who has been vocal and backed it up. You know, if you see a Wilder fight, you are likely going to see a knockout to a percentage that just doesn't happen, you know, in any kind of combat sport. So it's a credit to him. And, you know, you could say what you want about his competition. But fact is, he has a tough fight, uh, a tough fight, a tough out in front of him. And that's why I'm tuning in. Mm-hmm. You know, it is because he's done everything right in that regard. I mean, to this day is one of the greatest sound clips in all of combat sports history. And not to mention, you know, the fact that he gets all that fan love where people redo his big right hand into, you know, the, the hammer of Thor or <laughs> some great Thanos kind of clip. You know, he has that mainstream appeal. So, you know, in the moment where boxing is ever present and on all kinds of different networks, works there are still a few boxers who people will talk to you about and wilder is one of those guys and he even did one of the craziest things i've ever seen which is fight someone who was talking mess on twitter at him (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah he beat up a troll (laughs) in a very street fight uh kind of come to my gym and let's see what's up kind of way which i love i definitely appreciate but also one of the craziest moments in combat sports history was produced by one of his knockouts which was you know making uh tyson fury die in front of everyone and then come back to life like the undertaker i mean we we watched that in the theater i don't know if we watched that together but um, I saw that in the theater, and I was stunned. I mean, I had never seen anything like it. Tyson Fury literally rose from the dead, but that was only because Wilder put him in the grave to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. All right, so what's your prediction? Oh, man, I'm going to go with a hard-fought, kind of same-range round Wilder KO. I think I'm going to go with an eighth-round eighth knockout for Deontay Wilder, so... Pretty much, it's, it's going to go the same. I see it being a scrappy fight where Ortiz is going to get in there. He's going to do some work. He might even hurt Wilder and get as close to finishing him. But Wilder showed he had a great chin in there. And, you know, I think he has gotten better with the fundamentals of boxing in that time based on his fight with Fury and being able to make that adjustment to get that punch late. And I think there is a level of fight acumen that Wilder has. And, you know, hopefully it's improving because if not, he'll be in trouble. Like, bottom line, like, his deficiencies were exposed in that Ortiz fight. So if he hasn't patched those up, Ortiz will find them, which is why I'm intrigued. But I'm going to stick with Wilder. Yeah, I think you're right. I I was thinking similarly, you know, maybe a a round or two earlier this time. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think this is a fight where Wilder has to show out. Like, this is a a marquee event for him. He, uh, you know, he, he did... He he did not box well in the Fury fight, but he still had that highlight reel, you know, not knockdown, and we you know we got got to the draw. But I think to this new audience who's sort of like, oh, this guy, you know, these he he's one of the best guys. This is his time where he's like, okay, the next time you see me is going to be after I have a great performance, and that help that's going to help the the build for everything else. Um, okay, so quickly from the Bay Area, so I have to throw this in. 
We saw Canelo beat uh, Sergey Kovalev a few weeks ago. And uh, Duan was on this show before the Canelo fight when we were talking about it, you know, what we think is going to happen. And I threw out the name of Andre Ward. I was like, I would love to see Andre Ward come back if Canelo gets through Kovalev and sort of have that one major money fight that he never really had. Like, he had some some good fights, but, you know, the Kovalev, probably the second Kovalev fight was maybe the, the highest marquee one for him. And watching him kind of get up for something like Canelo, I think, would be awesome. But, you know, from everything that we've heard, um, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily in the bag for him, and he seems pretty happy with what he's doing, but... Uh, I mean, I just would love to see him get that one fight. Yeah, I would like to see Andre Ward <laughs> uh, come back to boxing, but I would love to see him stay retired, you know? <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I'm at with Ward. I was at the first fight with Kovalev, and he was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime talent or once-in-a-generation talent, mm-hmm. uh, Olympian. You know, if he was in a different era where boxing was thriving... He and he came kind of right before this current boom that we're in. He really could have been a Sugar Ray Leonard type figure in America. That never happened for Andre Ward. For him to come back with Canelo would be a huge money fight. I think it's one of the most interesting things Canelo could do. But I want to see Canelo settle Triple G. You know, <laughs> I want to see other things happen. I don't need the Andre Ward Canelo fight. It's a good thing to throw out there. But even logistically, if Ward is comfortable because he has a gig commentating on ESPN. Is he going to cross over and fight on DAZN for Canelo? Because Canelo is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So those fights are happening on DAZN. I don't call it DAZN ever. Um, <laughs> and I think that Ward probably prizes that commentating role. You know, that contract's going to be there. Uh, ideally, I mean, who better on your broadcast than an Andre Ward? So I think he's set and I think he's serious. I hope he's serious about staying retired. What do you think about? Um, and I, I lost my train of thought. I, I lost my train of thought here for a second. But you said something that made me think, and and I'll I'll get to it in a second. But the lot the 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 thing that I was really going to end uh, this this chat on was the DAZN versus ESPN Plus versus Showtime, which may kind of be out of the gig. Like they don't. I don't think they really have anything. Uh, uh, important. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe they're doing um, some stuff that that I don't know about. But um, and then and then Fox is also is also out there. But what, you mentioned uh, you used the word boom, and for a for the viewer, it sort of does feel like there's more boxing on TV than there has been in in a long time. I mean, I can remember when I was younger where you know boxing was on ESPN and the USA Network, and then on the weekend on you know whatever channel, and I felt like there was a lot then. But, you know, you can turn on an app every weekend and see two or three cards. Um, the ESPN Plus is showing all these international cards all, all the time. As a fight fan, w- what is your rhythm in watching this stuff? Do you feel overwhelmed or do you feel like, um, you know, there, there's uh, enough time for you to get through everything and follow like you want? No, I'm definitely overwhelmed. I don't think that you could be a fan and not be overwhelmed. I'm a single guy and I'm overwhelmed. Imagine if you have a significant other or kids or other kind of demand. So I get through as much as I can across platforms. I have DSN and ESPN plus and so on and so forth. But 
unless it's marquee name value, then generally I'm not going to tune in. Like I try to keep a balance of not letting combat sports take over my life because you'll get one weekend that has five cards. I had a binge Bellator, you know, <laughs> a big Bellator fan. I had a binge Bellator because I didn't see it. I stopped watching UFCs, uh, you know, every every card. Yeah, and it's freeing. I recommend that people <laughs> do that. I recommend that you're a selective combat sports uh, connoisseur because. You know, you could find good MMA in KSW in Poland or one championship or PFO or wherever. Same with boxing. You know, you could find it in a lot of places. But, you know, who's putting on a good promotion and actually competitive fights? Mm -hmm. Bottom line is I want to see competitive fights. You know, if you could build good characters around it, great. But other than that, I mean, you really have to be putting on quality because any any two two nickel promoter could put on fights on a streaming service now you know (laughs) yeah that's not a a knock on the quality of fighters that there are today or you know the accessibility that's all great if you're a fan but let's be real it's still about who's finding the best what is the best fighter in a given weight class or in the world yeah so i know what i was gonna i know what i was gonna ask you about which is canelo's relationship with golden boy and Oscar De La Hoya, it seems like that relationship is really going down the tubes. Canelo has outgrown Oscar. Like, that's just my sort of point of view. Um, And, you know, Oscar has always been the biggest star at Golden Boy, no matter what. And now Canelo's the biggest star. But what do you think of, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, you watched a lot of Oscar, I'm sure, growing up. and, And now, you know, Canelo and just this, you know, Oscar Mexican American fighter uh, Canelo is you know is is you know still doesn't really speak a ton of English but there's always been that like little bit of uh cross like the like the the really Mexican audience you know sometimes doesn't accept the Mexican American as much as they would accept you know someone who who is from Mexico and not born in the US but like just growing up as a fight fan you know watching Mexican fighters like, what do you think about this whole thing from, you know, Oscar, how he came up and how he became sort of like the, you know, he is the golden boy, but not necessarily accepted by Mexico, like someone like Cesar Chavez or or some of the other fighters. And now you have Canelo, who it seems like because he is now so popular, I don't think he's getting it to the same level, but um, he is also like he is also not as respected, and I, I don't understand the the culture probably enough in Mexico to understand why. But like they're just this, this weird dynamic, and now you know they are not getting along, and and you know maybe maybe uh, Canelo is not going to be on Golden Boy for much longer. But what's what, what's your whole thoughts on on that stuff? Oh well, I'm glad you asked because you brought this up uh, initially, asking me about you know my background, and I. I'm 100% into combat sports because of Julio Cesar Chavez. But I was always savvy enough, even as a kid, to know that he was going to lose to Oscar de la Hoya. And so I actually won money on that fight, (laughs) gambling (laughs) as a child, um, as you would in a Mexican household. But, you know, for me, I think that, as you probably uh, summed it up well, Canelo has outgrown the relationship with Oscar de la Hoya. He is bigger than Oscar. He doesn't need him. He could be promoting under Canelo promotions Mm -hmm. or whatever. 
but it's such an interesting like turn of events in the fact that when Oscar founded Golden Boy Promotions, there was a thought that, oh, fighters are now going to be in their own control and, you know, have their destiny. And, you know, someone like Oscar La Jolla, who was a former fighter, would understand and he would promote uh, these fighters in a proper way where I don't think that's happened. Mm -mm. I don't think it's uh, happening with Canelo. I don't think that Oscar has been helpful for the relationship with DAZN uh, and Canelo as an intermediary. I think he's not putting on good cards outside of that. I think his stable was small. His stable should be scared, like you know uh, Ryan Garcia was about who is steering the ship. Yeah, and that's Oscar La Hoya, who, if you remember, famously did not show up to Canelo versus, I believe, Mayweather. You know, one of the big Canelo fights, he was not there because of his substance abuse problems. Yeah, and and that's always going to be in the minds of people when he doesn't show up to stuff. Is they're automatically going to think that he's. Something's going on with him. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I actually, that's the one area I'll cut Oscar some slack. I feel bad yeah. because, you know, boxing does a lot of damage to you physically, and you might treat that with your substances, let alone. He was more famous than all but maybe Mike Tyson back then. Yeah, no, 100%, you know, and that level of fame we could never understand. And, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts. So, you know, I'll give him that credit. But, you know, to the whole why isn't he accepted in, like, the Mexican community thing, I was just reading about this the other day, and it was an incredibly eye-opening thing because I was young enough to experience it, but, you know, there's details that mm-hmm. you lose at that age. And one of them was that he didn't comment on the L.A. riots. Mm-mm, you know, here's weird. the golden boy, and he is not down with the community that, yeah. you know, he's from. He's he's from East L.A., mm-hmm. which you couldn't get more Mexican in America than East <laughs> L.A. Um, in a lot of ways. And so for him to, you know, be a, a milk, milk, he was a milky white fighter. You know, he wasn't just uh, a Mexican-American fighter. He wasn't just a, you know, good promotional uh, fighter. You know, someone who would do everything and and markets well and did an actual milk ad. And in that time frame, because if you think about, you know, from the fame perspective, the, the, the most famous athlete going at that time was Michael Jordan. And he historically stayed out of those kinds of politics and was just right down the line because he needed the fandom to come from all sides. And I think... That was also the strategy with Oscar. Oh, it was 100% the blueprint. I mean, that's still happening today. Mm-hmm. Look at the NFL and the NBA with China. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a shortage of those controversies as long as you have sports commanding the money that they do and the attention that they do. And, you know, the sleight of hand with politics on the other side and everything that happens and the dirty game that that is, yep. which, you know, sports ties directly into. So the stick to sports crowd is always going to be wrong about this because they're always tied. I mean, we didn't have a whole Olympic Games for America in 1984 or was it uh, 1980 whatever it was in the early 80s, because they were boycotting Russia. Mm -hmm. You know, like sports and politics go together. Russia boycotted in 84, or the USSR boycotted in 84. Yeah, so, you know, that's how uh, it always goes. And to me, for a guy like Oscar La Jolla, who was being celebrated by a community, um, basically turned his back on him. So I think that follows him and haunts him to this day, whether or not he acknowledges it or not. And I think the Canelo thing is an interesting case study because... Canelo is, you know, generally apolitical, doesn't really talk about what's going on in Mexico or here. He doesn't have to. And, you know, he's a huge star. But at the same time, he is beloved. He's the biggest star in boxing. And I think what Oscar did for his career actually kind of hurt him. You know, I think what Oscar did in terms of the Triple G fight and, you know, stalling it out. Uh, I think that was a mistake. And, you know, it's looking more and more like that now because Canelo is not going to do that third fight. And I think that only hurts his stock. You know, Mm -hmm. fighting a Rocky Fielding, 
you know, whatever, you know, taking on uh, the Kirklands of the world. Uh, Canelo's always fought the top quality opposition, so I don't mind it. But, you know, you're, li- you're leaving a rivalry on the table. That is not a smart thing to do. And I, I think that Oscar, by souring everyone around Canelo, including Canelo, has made that a harder thing to pitch. Do you think that the Golovkin fight, I, I really think that Canelo feels like Golovkin kind of played him dirty by not accepting the excuse for when he failed for the steroids with the, you know, the meat historically that's been a way that's been something that, you know, uh, other um, other drug testing organizations have excused because of the fact that there is some stuff in, in Mexican meat and in China as well that does make you uh, fail. And Golovkin didn't he wasn't about that. He's like, nope, he's a cheater. And I do think that, you know, when you throw that word around, especially for someone like Canelo, who's, uh, you know, his his aura and, and his stature uh, is based on, you know, few things that he believes in, that could be a big thing. And I think that he's just like, look, why should I reward this guy by giving him the biggest fight of his career when he threw me under the bus the way that he did? I definitely see that perspective and, you know, I agree with that to an extent, but if you hate him so much, then fight him, you know, and I get it. You don't want to give him the payday. You don't want to give him the shine, the uh, chance to, you know, knock you out. And at the same time, look at it from the fighter's perspective. Why wouldn't you want to fight a guy who you already beat twice, you know, theoretically, if you're Canelo and you feel that way and has only gotten older and you were the young guy to begin with and, you're angering your business partners. This is the fight that DAZN wants. This is why they have a network. They have a network for the Triple G and Canelo trilogy. Which you can also blame on De La Hoya, though, right? Well, if you're if you're Canelo and you did not agree to that, and De La Hoya did without your blessing. Which is exactly why I'm saying that Canelo outgrew it, why you know Oscar isn't doing the right things for him, why Canelo could be calling his own shots. Canelo could have ruined the relationship with Diazian on his own. He didn't oh, need Oscar to do absolutely. it. You know what I mean? And I'd imagine that he probably uh, wouldn't have done that. He probably would have just said what he said, which is, I don't want to give this guy the satisfaction. I'm not doing yeah. it. <laughs> he is. I mean, but he is going to run out of guys. Like, Yeah, 100%. And I think it's a way worse proposition to fight Demetrius Andre. You know, Canelo is going to avoid that fight or not take it at all. And that's going to be eventually the guy that people clamor for him to fight if he's, you know, going back to the Cesar Chavez and Rocky uh, (laughs) Fielding, whatever his name was, you know, (laughs) Rocky Fielding. Yeah, Rocky Fielding's of the world. Like literally, you're chosen because your name was the name of a movie. (laughs) Like that was the guy Canelo was fighting. Again, I'm not knocking Canelo getting a quick uh, payday and you know kicking off the DAs in relationship, which was what that fight was. But at the end of the day. The Triple G fight is the name value fight yep. for Canelo Alvarez. There's no better B-side outside of a weird anomaly like an Andre Ward unretiring, mm-hmm. you know, and in a different weight class. I mean, the Kovalev fight was ridiculous. I I was 100%. I would have bet my mortgage house, whatever, that Canelo was going to starch him, you know. And yep. uh, Kovalev was there. He was there. That was about it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. He, he, he was not willing to throw punches like the... Kovalev of old because he did not want to get knocked out, which is what happened anyways. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not trying to discredit the resume of Canelo Alvarez because I think it is, if not 
one of the best in boxing, the best in boxing. However, he beat up an old drunk in Kovalev. <laughs> That's what that was. He beat up an old drunk. And it sucks because Kovalev is a fighter who I had a great time watching through oh, his yeah. career. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a fighter that, you know, just partied too hard outside the ring and caught up in the ring. And it, and it got really bad really quickly with what happened with Kovalev's decline. And Canelo come at the tail end of that. It doesn't matter if you're going up in weight, if, you know, you're handpicking these opponents in that's good. the position Canelo's in. I don't blame him for taking advantage of it. It's just like, come on, man. If you're going to do this, please do the third Golovkin fight. Please do the third Triple G fight. All right, so you have uh, been in photography for a little bit now. Talk a little bit about what you're doing, and then you know, talk about where people can find your work. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always good chatting with you. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm glad we finally got to. Uh, I've just been doing photography on my own as a way to develop new talents. I'm always trying to get better at uh, different kinds of media and art. I think that because I grew up with all kinds of pro wrestling mags, whether that was PWI or the WWF or you know WCW, um, after 10 plus years of writing about combat sports for national outlets and doing radio and, and being around all kinds of combat sports, it's just been really fun to shoot independent pro wrestling all across California. I've done some in Vegas as well. So APW is a great promotion here in the Bay Area. PCW Ultra is great in uh, Los Angeles. Just wherever there's a good indie show and I'm around town, I'll bring my camera and uh, shoot. So I've shot Tessa Blanchard, The Rascals, Brian Cage, Sammy Callahan, Lucha Brothers, Jungle Boy, Scorpio Sky, SCU. A lot of the top names just because the indie scene is doing so well right now. I've been very fortunate. So it's been a very fun way to practice uh, photography. I've shot uh, hip-hop shows in Method Man and the Wu-Tang, Joey Badass and uh, Beast Coast Flatbush Zombies. I've been very fortunate to shot uh, some models and stuff. So those were kind of my three niches, are concert photography, pro wrestling, combat sports, because that's my background, and models and stuff. So really enjoy photography. I'm available for hire all across California. Uh, people could find me at dannyacosta.net, uh, at Acosta is legend, that's A-C-O-S-T-A on Twitter. Uh, I'm always working on stuff. I have a movie that's coming out next year. I'm not going to say too much about it. We'll, I'll come back and do the Hell show yeah. and we'll talk about it. Hell yeah. Um, have you had, uh, last thing, ha Has any? have you shot someone and then have they seen your work of you shooting them and then have, you, have they given you feedback about it? Uh, yeah, actually, Adam Thornstow, the very first time I did it, uh, he's one half of the Reno scum. Uh, he was like, great stuff, keep it up. And, you know, to me, that's not what I do it for, but... Uh, it is about preserving the legacy, the, you know, the matches, you know, the art form, all of it. So to me, I, I never take that lightly, you know, uh, if someone reaches out, takes the time. So for me, I'm just going to keep doing it if uh, fighters or in this case, pro wrestlers or whoever comes across it, however they react is up to them. I'm just, you know, happy to be doing what I'm doing. And I'm glad that they get to do what they do and you know, entertain us all. And, you know, they put a lot out there for us. So, uh it's always been what I've done. This is just a new avenue for me to be a storyteller within this realm. All right. Um, thanks for doing this. And throw out the name of the of the photography brand. Oh, okay. So grapplenext.com is kind of where it's living right now. Um, that's where I'm doing catches, catch can, combat sports content. I'm so busy. I haven't been able to really get it out there. But I have an Instagram. So follow at grapplenext. Um, just grapplenext.com. And uh, yeah, it'll be really going forward in uh, 2020 but like i said uh, i have a movie coming out so that my focus is in film combat sports is always just my background it's always fun to be around and i appreciate any support uh 
I could get. I've always appreciated it, and I will continue to do so going forward. All right, so we will put all of the links to to Danny's stuff in the show notes if you want to check it out. But uh, thanks again to Danny for doing this. All right, we're back. Uh, thanks to Danny Acosta for jumping on. And uh, John, we have one more segment left. That is our 1993 Raw stuff. And, and this time, it is not a, a, an episode of Raw. It is the 1993 Survivor Series Showdown, which is the... Uh, they, they showed this on a Sunday, the Sunday before Survivor Series. Survivor Series was on a Wednesday. Showed it on Sunday. Showed a... Uh, I think it was a one-hour version of this show on Monday. We talked about this last week, which was that uh, they actually had to do some reshoots for this show because originally the, uh, you know, maybe the main event or at least uh, the the, the match right up there with the main event, Bret Hart and and his brothers against uh, Jerry Lawler and the Knights, that match is all of a sudden off because Lawler is... uh, is is having some issues, some legal issues with uh, some young girls who uh, are pressing charges against him. About two weeks later, the story changes, and the young woman decides that she is changing her story. Um, and so, so Lawler is 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 quickly going to be out of the out of the trouble, but not before Survivor Series happens. So we have this Survivor Series showdown show, and they basically have to eliminate Jerry Lawler completely from this show even though when they recorded this show he was still in the match and it makes for a little bit of a disjointed show we have Vince and we have Bobby on one part of the telecast and then we have Gorilla and Jim Ross on the other part of the telecast as you're watching this are you kind of wondering like this this feels weird something's disjointed something's wrong what's going on here Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, right away, you know, obviously the green screen behind them and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. They definitely did some heavy editing on the show, but uh, it still was end up being a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Okay. You and I are going to disagree on the quality of these matches. I'm all, I already know. Why? Like, there was, I was so bored through some of these matches. Like, I was just like, another abdominal stretch how long are we gonna be in this abdominal stretch like we'll get to that match which is irs and and marty Jannetty, which i was kind of frustrated at but i just thought the matches were not that good and you know the main event is is obviously bret hart and yokozuna and 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 yeah that that match is good but just the the build-up to some of these matches it just felt so like I was just like, okay, why do we even have this show? You're killing my anticipation for Survivor <laughs> Series. I just want to watch Survivor Series. Yeah, well, I mean, they're they were good matches for you know, there's just 1993 wrestling work matches. I mean, they're they were fine. Nothing like great. Nothing like oh my god, this was awesome. But you know, they they were entertaining in their own way. Marginetti and IRS did feel a bit long for sure. Um, I love the finish though. God, the finish was great. I mean, I love the finisher. Like, it's a mm-hmm. great finisher. I, I, I will tell you my issue with that match when we get to it. But, okay, so one one other thing before we get to this is, how do you find these hidden gem shows? Like, how, like how, how did you find 1993 Survivor Series Showdown on the network? Well, it was, they didn't say Survivor Series Showdown. The only reason I know, because I, I always check out the hidden gems. It's one of my favorite things off the network. Uh-huh. And I remember... A month, few months back, they showed Bret Hart 
they had it like advertised, but Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. And when they advertised in this show coming up, I was like, man, I think this is on there. But I kept putting Survivor Series Showdown in the search, and I couldn't find it. So finally, I'm like, I'm just going to just look up that Bret Hart versus Yokozuna match. And as I'm looking at the date, and I realize it's a full show, <laughs> it's not just a match, <laughs> I'm like, holy cow, here it is. Because I, I went looking for this on YouTube. I thought for sure this would be on YouTube. And there wasn't really much on YouTube for this. I saw the other ones were showing up, but not like 1993 yeah. for some reason. So we kind of lucked into this one, which is nice. So you're a smart guy. I'm a smart guy. I couldn't find it either. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I was like, why does the WWE Network do this to us? Is the show not called Survivor Series Showdown? Even if you want to lead for maybe search uh, search purposes with Brett versus Yoko, you think more people are going to actually but look for a- that match? Fine. But as a secondary search result, if I'm looking for Survivor Series Showdown, that should show up too. Dude, like, like exactly. And the, what also was frustrating, I literally put in Yoko's universe is pretty hard. And you'd think WrestleMania 9 would show, would show up. Like, it was like, they showed me a bunch of Yoko stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> it was, it's the network is really frustrated right now how they have it laid out. And I mean, I like the idea you can jump to matches and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But like, but everything else is like, just like, find the way they have things laid out and finding stuff is just very frustrating. I'm with you. I'm with you. So um, the show starts with a recap from WWE Superstars with the IRS versus Owen. Is it no, versus Brett or versus Owen? Versus Brett. Brett. And Brett. then Owen Then Owen comes in. So it's kind of setting the table for uh, what's going to happen later in the evening. Um, like I said, they're coming from two locations. So you have two, uh, two, two guys uh, or two sets of broadcasters. And there's a little bit of a of a back and forth between the two. Obviously, Gorilla and Bobby have some some great chemistry together. So you know they're going to go back and forth. And Bobby, you know, is not feeling very well or whatever for this show. Vince McMahon calls Jim Ross gentleman. Jim Ross, like, <laughs> thank God that didn't stick. Yeah. Um. So the first match is uh, Bastion Booger versus Doink the Clown. Uh, Jr. And Gorilla Monsoon are fat shaming Bastion Booger so hard. I started to feel sorry for this poor guy. Everything was about, you know, he's does he he you know he's always eating. He's never said no to a meal. Just such bad stuff. He I mean he tries to ride Doink's scooter and he falls off in like a bad prat fall. Like he didn't even really try to like make it. Like, <laughs> I mean he didn't want to get hurt, obviously. Um, but just goofy stuff, and I did not like this match at all. Um, and, and I felt like Jim Ross, you know, he, he always has his tells of when he doesn't think a match is good. You know, Bowling Shoe Ugly is one. I thought this was one where he goes, the match is at a deliberate pace. <laughs> and so that was like JR's way of saying, okay, like I get it, this match is not great. Um, anyways, uh, uh, Doink wins, and then... He uh, he puts Tabasco on Bastion Booger's pizza because obviously Bastion Booger he has to drown his sorrows in the pizza that he brought to the ring and so then you know he does the spit take with the with the pizza because it's too hot and whatever I mean I'm just like you know Bastion Booger is obviously a failed character he's not over you got to put yeah I mean you got to build he he's in one of the matches for Survivor Series but this is just like you know. 
Vince's sense of humor versus everyone else's sense of humor. And I really feel bad for, you know, the guy who plays Bastion Booger because he's way better than they, than they, uh, it's almost like they're there to make fun of him for some reason. And I'm like, why? Like, why would you do that to the guy? Yeah, I don't know. I felt bad for him too. But yeah, like these Survivor Series showdown shows are all about like you have, you know, you have the Survivor Series match. So you have like one member of each team wrestle a singles match or if it's a tag team, you have a tag team match. Um, so yeah, this is, you know, just part of their match building up that, and um, it was it was fine. It was okay. It, it wasn't as bad as I was gonna be, but um, this is also what this is Ray Apollo. This is not big. This is not Matt Bourne anymore. So who who are the four doinks, by the way? Well, we don't want to give it up. We got we have to talk about it later. Okay, so I know does, what it is. is. It, okay, wait. N- now answer this question for me. They keep saying it's going to be four doinks. Is it actually four doinks? It's four guys with doinks makeup, yes. Okay, okay. So it is four doinks. Because later in the show, Todd Pettengill keeps teasing that there's going to be more changes to the card. I think I know one of them. Is it Mr. Perfect? Is Mr. Perfect off the show? Yes. Okay. So Mr. Perfect is off the show. And and he's mostly just replaces him. And he's mostly pissed off because uh, Razor Ramon got the title instead of him. I think that's part (laughs) of the reason why he's pissed off. And so, um, Funny. you know, then, 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 you know, he's in the observer. One of the observers, Mel, uh, Meltzer, wrote that he's probably not coming back uh, anytime soon because he's still upset that he didn't get the belt. I'm like, <laughs> oh wow. Uh, okay, so at least that that that's definitely one yeah, of. So I this... was wondering. I was wondering how they were going to get Savage back on the show because I didn't necessarily remember. And I'm not reading ahead, so I want to be surprised just like uh, everyone else. Yeah. So this is Ray Apollo, and you know he has less chest hair than Matt Bourne, <laughs> and also he throws right hands at Matt Bourne through left hand. So right, right, right. So then they recapped the Tatanka feud with Ludwig Borga, and I'm still amazed that all it took was one shot to the back of the chair for Tatanka for Ludwig Borga to just be able to stand on his chest and pin him. Um, well, I think we they, missed, they only showed a clip. I, but they've done that two times in a row. Yeah, That's what yeah. it makes it seem like. Yeah, 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 true. So uh, Ray Rougeau interviews the All-Americans, and uh, I still find it hilarious that Undertaker is part of this team and he's got to be a uh, uh, pro-Americana. So uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, interesting version of the Undertaker. Um, uh, Todd Pettengill does a segment on how to order a pay-per-view <laughs> in 1993. I thought that was hilarious. Like you can, some places you can click a button on your controller. <laughs> Here's how you used to have to do it. Yeah. You would call a number and then you would sit on hold. Like uh, amazing. Well, I mean, how, people... you, how I used to do is beg my parents. That's how I used to do it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, imagine somebody who is, you know, let's say 18 years old has never had to order a pay per view. Everything is streaming or through nefarious means. They're like, what in the hell is Todd Pettengill talking about? Sadly, those 18 year olds aren't going back to watch these old matches. Unfortunately. Well, what if they are? <laughs> I hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, so Crush has a match against our best friend Virgil. And, you know, I brought up Wade, our buddy Wade, earlier in the show. He loves Virgil. And every time we clown on Virgil, he's like, how dare you guys clown on on, on Virgil. Uh, Virgil, Vince McMahon must love the Virgil comeback. Because we got like three of them in this match. <laughs> like the hope spot for Virgil. We got like three hope spots for Virgil. And, you know, Marty Jannetty barely got one in his match with IRS. Like, what's up with Virgil? I will tell you this. Yes, it went a little too... I thought this match went way too long. But 
this could be the best Virgil match I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it was actually pretty good. I, I thought for sure that, uh, you know, Crush was just going to wax him and be over it, you know, and, and, and destroy him and be gone. But no, they had a, a competitive match, which I thought was a little bit of a mistake because, you know, Crush yeah. just turned heel. But but that being said, I mean, they actually had a decent match and it wasn't as bad. And, and, and Virgil didn't look off as he normally does. And. And um, I, th- I thought Crush gained way too much. Maybe it was a respect thing from Crush, or maybe they needed uh, to stretch out some time, and they picked this match. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to my surprise, Virgil was, was much good. better in this match than the last match we saw yeah, him, for sure. definitely. There was a Superstars recap of Razor Ramon versus Rick Martel rematch from their Intercontinental Championship match, and the match is more so about dissension among Rick Martel's Survivor Series team. We get... I don't ever remember seeing this, so I was like... My eyes were so wide watching this. Bruce Pritchard as Rio Rogers doing Dusty Rhodes Mm -hmm. with Shawn Michaels at the pretend... uh, uh, Hart family house and okay for, for one Bruce Pritchard doing his Dusty Rhodes impersonation does not look like Dusty Rhodes at all he's got like these crazy sideburns and this facial hair and like I'm I'm trying to figure out who is he actually trying to be like obviously I mean the voice is Dusty Rhodes but is he trying to be like a a, a, a cowboy from a specific time like an outdated character like i, I didn't get uh, it maybe i'm just missing something no, i don't get it either i don't know what they're other than poking fun at dusty but it just it just wasn't it wasn't working it didn't last long thank goodness it was almost like sean was like oh my god <laughs> i have to be in this segment with this guy doing a dusty roads like sean was like not into it yeah very it should have been someone well, I guess well, I guess it had to be kind of like a guy like a heel because you know they're obviously in it together and making fun of the Hart family. This was obviously thrown together last minute to add some heat to Sean going into his match with the Hart family. Um, I thought some of the stuff was so funny, like when they got into the house, you know, with with the uh, the old lady, but actually, you know, in the mask, uh, old lady's mask that actually kind of creeped me out. I'm I curious mean, that, to see who these people were. Was, yeah, that, I mean that stuff was really mean. Spirited, but you couldn't really take it seriously because it was so cartoonish. But the thing that I did like was the big Bret Hart poster mm-hmm. and the little Owen Hart card, which Sean pointed out. That was funny. I just didn't think Sean was all that invested in trying to make this work. He didn't even, no. you know, he was just kind of like, ah, this is kind of stupid. He knows he's going to get through the Survivor Series match and then be on to, you know, feuding with Razor Ramon yeah. for the Intercontinental title. Okay, the match that I had a problem with. <laughs> IRS and Marty Jannetty. I was like, okay, Marty is selling so much. He's going to get this amazing comeback. He's going to look like a million bucks. And then, you know, IRS will win in sort of nefarious means or, or whatever. And so, because I'm, I'm just sitting here going like, okay, like IRS is dominating, dominating, dominating. Abdominal stretch, you know, a minute and 30 second abdominal stretch. Where's the where's the Marty comeback? Okay, the small comeback, and then boom, clothesline matches over. Like mm-hmm. what what like what? Why do all the rest hold stuff if Marty wasn't even gonna really get a, a, a big comeback out of it? 
Well, that's the idea is to build up a, a big comeback, but then it gets cut short by IRS because they're, they're they're pushing him. He's he's getting ready to, uh, you know, they need the top heels. They need heels to work with guys. They're short on heels, so that. This but is does just he actually get a run? I don't even remember. I, this could be more for house show reasons. Like they, their heel side's very weak. You know, they had to turn Crush, which was was good, but you know, this is kind of this is just like a typical. Mike Rotunda match, you know, for the most part, you know. But was... I mean, we we saw him wrestle uh, the kid in mm-hmm. in in previous matches, and you know, the kid would get his great little you know few little spots here and there and look great, and then you know, yeah, then Rotunda would take his head off or whatever, and then you know, the kid even beat him in in or no, the kid beat DiBiase yeah, actually, yeah, he didn't beat him. But uh, I just felt like okay, like can you give like if I'm gonna sit through that abdominal stretch spot, like give Marty like one or two more things and then beat him. I just thought it was like. I, because of the abdominal stretch, I'm like, oh, man, Marty must be getting yeah. something coming here. The point is just, like, you want that crowd big, all right, here it is, here's off, damn. Like, you know, they want you to get the rug pulled out from you faster than the typical, like, long baby face comeback. And, you know, just just a little different version of it. I mean, I don't think Marty's really, you know, in their really their I mean, high priority. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 and, you know, he's, he's always sort of in the doghouse anyway, yeah. so... So we get a foreign fanatic interview, which uh, Jim Cornette uh, does a really great job, and then he throws to Johnny Polo, and I was like, uh, "Can we can we have Jim speak a little bit more?" <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then yeah, I mean you know then you get Ludwig to talk, and then Crush talks, and uh, Crush is he's trying so hard to just like be this <clears throat> this you know maniacal heel and. I think he what he called the he called the fans. Uh, what did he call him? Puke something. Yeah, like I yeah. was like, oh, did, did Sergeant Slaughter like throw him this line somehow? Like he, like he wanted to like cuss or something, but he had to throw out puke. <laughs> so yeah, I like to be. And it's a family and, show. And then he called them geeks or something or something after yeah. that. I was like, oh, crush, crush. You're trying a little too hard, crush. But I I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the uh, the effort, but it but uh, yeah, trying a little bit too hard. So um, then we get the Survivor Series report, and this is where Todd says that other stuff is going to happen from what he understands. There's going to be more people out of this match, and we'll have to find out by re-watching this same show on Monday. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not going to re-watch this show no matter what. And then we get to Brett and Yoko, and I'll let you break that one down. Uh, well, it, it kind of started off weird because Brett goes right after Yoko, which I, I guess I get because WrestleMania Nine, right? Yeah. But just to see it says so much, so so far the distance between this match and WrestleMania Nine, I thought that was a little bit, a little bit uh, excessive. I think they should have started out a little slower. But this was a good match. Uh, it's better, definitely way better than their um, WrestleMania Nine match. A lot, of course, mm-hmm. a lot, lot more time, obviously. Um, there was an awesome spot which Brett came off the ropes for like his Luthez press and 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 Yoko just catches him in the belly to belly. Like it was just killer. Um but yeah, good match and uh, uh shoot, I'm trying to remember the finish. It's just like I think it was like disqualification. I'm sure I'm not gonna beat Brett, but uh it's I watched this a couple days ago and I've saw a lot of wrestling this week, <laughs> so part of me that's gonna all blend in. But yeah, it was, like, it was a much needed great match to end this, you know, okay show. Okay, so uh, from the Observer, Meltzer writes: the Survivor Preview Show, head by headlined by Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the title, did a two point nine rating on Sunday, hmm. but the edited replay on Monday 
did only a 2.2. The combined rating of the two shows was the lowest ever for a double showing of the quarterly USA Network special. So, you know, we, we were talking in August, we were talking about how hot things were for SummerSlam. They have definitely cooled down here as we get into the uh, the winter. Um, the show wasn't nearly as cohesive as normal since there were numerous shots of Jerry Lawler at ringside during the title match that all had to be edited out. So in a sense, the match that aired was very different from the match that took place live. Hmm. So we saw a, a very edited version of that match, which yeah, good I, I want Good editing. I, you know, you know what's interesting is uh, you know you talk about hidden gems. It would be great to see that version that we didn't get mm-hmm. to see, right? Like that'd be really cool. Um, I know they put up the '92 Survivor Series showdown, and supposedly there's like an extra hour of footage that yep. never aired on USA. Yeah, did you Did you get to watch that? No, I haven't watched it, but I know Jimmy Carvin is the uh, color commentator, though. Oh wow! Yeah, so they have like. Papa Chango, Bret Hart, I think, or something like that. Nails and Big Boss Man, and it's it's, you know, it's it's definitely just the, you know, you got the little timer on the bottom. It's it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of like glanced at it. I haven't even watched it yet, and maybe I'll get a chance to watch. Maybe I'll watch one of those matches or something, and see how Jimmy Garvin did. All right, so um, I think we're about done here, uh, and we will be back next week. Like I mentioned, we'll have two shows. Um, you know, send us your. Your hashtag we want flare ideas for our podcast, uh, our, our you know our, our monthly sort of historical portion or segment of this mm-hmm. show, uh, and uh, and yeah, so you know we'll, we're gonna try to watch Survivor Series and Takeover. I, I'm probably watching Takeover on Sunday and Survivor Series on Monday. I don't know how I'm gonna stay away from spoilers. It'll probably be impossible. Uh, but uh, we have the short week, so you know I'll have I'll have a little bit extra time to watch stuff, and I'm really looking forward to the AEW show on Wednesday because they have uh, you know they've tried to I think they tr- sort of have tried to make it like a a special, special show yeah. you know maybe this will be sort of their you know Wednesday before Thanksgiving show uh, that they'll do yearly, and also I mean there's tons of intrigue in the NXT show right like what what do you do post uh, post takeover, usually what they used to do is they would tape some matches uh, in in the dark match segment of takeover, and then they would show those matches on NXT for the uh, the network version. But I don't think you can do that now no. in the in the USA version. So they're going to have to have a, a brand new show on Wednesday coming off of takeover, which is a little bit different from them. So that so that'll be that'll be different and interesting, and we'll see what happens there, and we'll see if there's any any more crossover and synergy with the other Raw and SmackDown guys. But uh, but yeah, that's it from here. So I want to thank our sponsor for the show, Untuck It. Also, thanks to our uh, our, our our brothers in pod the it doesn't matter what your podcast is called uh and thanks to uh our our fight game podcast uh, facebook group like i said join it we're looking for more folks to come on and and chat wrestling it's probably one of the smarter i wouldn't i'm not even gonna say smart it's one of the uh more fun and less trolly and antagonistic places on the internet to talk wrestling that's for sure um and uh and yeah and and thanks to everyone for checking it out um also, thanks to our new uh, Blue Wire, uh, you know, folks who've come in from from us being on Blue Wire. We hope you stick around. Uh, and also, thanks to John for hanging out with me for these two hours every week. Hopefully, not always going to be two hours, but I know we're a little bit long today. But uh, yeah, so for John, 
I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.